morning. John Jenkins from Aylesbury failed to turn up for the last day of his trial at St Albans Crown Court. More from Gail Sanderson. The 70-year-old was found guilty in his absence of fraud and sentenced to six years in prison. Earlier, the court heard how over three and a half years, 67-year-old Josephine Stubbings from Berkhamsted paid £532,000 to Jenkins for building work that a surveyor said should have cost 60000 at most. He spent the money on holidays in Spain and the United States. It's thought he may have fled abroad. The judge has issued a warrant for his arrest. One of the Labour Party's biggest backers is calling on Ed Miliband to rule out a coalition with the Liberal Democrats after the next general election. Len McCluskey, who's General Secretary of the Unite Union, says Labour should pledge to govern alone if it wins the most seats. The charity says there's a special need for a centre which helps child victims of sex abuse in Luton. Because of this, a new NSPCC site has just opened in Adelaide Street. There's also a programme for families of abuse victims which teaches parents how to protect their children in the future. The European Parliament will today vote on tighter regulations for electronic cigarettes. The Parliament has already decided their consumer products so won't have the same controls as nicotine patches, which are classed as medicinal. However, some MPs still want them to be regulated on health and safety grounds. In sport, in last night's football, Stevenage beat Crewe 1-0, MK Dons won 2-1 at Oldham, Wickham won 1-0 at Exeter and Luton march on. And Luton could go five up here and he's going to take this penalty and score. It was easy fouls. And Luton have scored five at Kenilworth Road again. The Hatters are 14 points clear at the top of the conference after beating Wrexham 5-0. The weather mainly dry with sunny spells after a chilly start, but with isolated showers moving in from the west, a maximum temperature 10 degrees Celsius. And you can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up this morning. When can I tell them, Catherine? When can I tell them what's coming up, Catherine? Ego, ego, ego. Ah! Expats are encouraged to vote. Conman Builder encouraged to come back to prison. And lunch breaks and that. It took you 20 minutes to write that, did it? Wow. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or the best way to give me a call, 08459 555 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. But before that, before any of that, sad news. Uh, Yesterday, film director Harold Ramis died. Of course, uh, star of Ghostbusters, uh, directed the uh, uh, fantastic uh, film Groundhog Day, as well as many others. So we thought we'd pay a little tribute. Harold Ramis, we salute you. They say we're young and we don't know We won't find out until we grow Well, I don't know if all that's true Cos you got me Babe. They say our love won't 
guess that's so we don't have a plot But at least I'm sure of all the things we got Babe I got you, babe I got you, babe I got flowers In the spring I got you To wear my ring Salute you, boss. I got you, babe. I got you, babe. I got you, babe. I got you, babe. Now, in the run-up to past elections, national treasures like Jim Davidson, Paul Daniels and Phil Collins have all threatened to leave the country. That's if the wrong party get in. Sadly, only two of them were true to their word, but it turns out they'll still be able to vote from their self-imposed luxury exile. The Electoral Commission's trying to boost the number of people using their right to vote with a huge campaign to add expats to the Electoral Register. Well, it mean my first guest, Norman Cudmore, can register to vote from his address in the Philippines. Morning, Norman. Good morning to you, Ian. So, are you in the Philippines right now? I certainly am. What's the time and the weather like over there? The time is approximately, oh, to be honest, I don't know, around about <laughs> one o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> and the weather is absolutely gorgeous. It's uh, about 30 degrees Celsius. Uh, and, um, and I've got a nice cold pint of beer in my hand. I've gone right off this Cudmore character. Let's with who booked him. <laughs> now, listen, you're cu- so you live in the Philippines. How long have you lived there for? I lived here for approximately 12 years now. OK, but you're regi- is it right you're registered to vote at your brother's address? That's correct. In the UK? That's correct. Um, When I departed the UK, I needed an address in the UK, um, just basically for people to be able to contact me, like the banks and everything else. So I registered with the local council as uh, having an address at my brother's. And that's effectively how I got over the system. But... It's difficult to vote when you're over here. Unless you're back in the UK, 
is a pointless exercise. So uh, now that they're bringing in the chance to vote for overseas expats uh, people, it's a good idea. But how are they going to let the expats know of this facility is what I'm wondering. Well, that's that's an important question. So the, the, they're campaigning to allow expats or, and to encourage expats to vote from abroad. Would you want to, Norman? Why, why would you want to have your say in local elections and general elections and European elections if you've lived in the Philippines for 12 years? Basically because of the pensions. Oh. You're still entitled to your pensions while you're overseas. And as you're probably well aware from my last appearance on... Uh, Three Counties Radio, um, they've decided now to change the rulings, whereas before, if the man worked and the wife stayed at home, um, she would then be entitled to part of the husband's pension when he died. Now that's all changed. So basically what they've decreed uh, for my wife is that when I die, if she outlives me, Mm. is that she then becomes destitute because she's not entitled to a pension in her own right now that she's not entitled to my pension. Right. Um, I disagree with that. But as an expat, I had no cause to redress against that at that particular time. Whereas now, with the chance to vote we will have a very small voice in that matter. Norman, there might, let me put, let me put, for, play devil's advocate for a second. There will be some people listening who think, hang on a second, you live in the Philippines, it's nice weather, you've got a beer in your hand, that's not fair. Uh, you've lived there for 12 years. Why should you, A, have a say in how uh, this country is run, a country you don't live in, and B, why should you get a state pension as well if you don't live here? What would you say because to those people? Paid, because I've paid into it for the last 50-odd years. Mm. Just because I've decided that the weather conditions and the environment now in the UK is not conducive to my life, why should I be then penalised? Is the government going to give me a lump sum of all the money I've paid in as contributions over the last 50-odd years that I've worked in the UK? Or does it mean that, oh, sorry, you left the country, all your contributions are now confiscated by the government? Well, you know, um, if they don't want to stay in the UK and they want to go somewhere warmer, why don't they do the same as I've done? Norman, I appreciate your time. Go and finish your beer, you jammy (laughs) so-and-so. Thank you very much indeed, Norman Cudnall, um, who lives in the Philippines. So expats are being encouraged to, uh, uh, well, they're going to be signed up so they can vote from abroad. There's a couple of things there. There's a couple of things there. What do you think? Do you think expats should be able to vote from abroad and have a say in how Britain is run? And a very, very slight tangent. Can we go off on a tangent? Let's, we've, got, we've got the motorway, the cyclist-free motorway. Let's have a little slip road, shall we, that we can also go up and down as we, as we feel uh, is appropriate. Um... D- d- expats getting state pensions from the United Kingdom. How do you feel about that? My card's on the table. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced, Catherine, because... Yes, Norman was saying he's paid into the... and made his state contributions. Of course he has. But those those payments he's made in have also protected him while he was living in the UK. They've they've paid for the National Health Service. If he's had children, they've paid for their uh, education if they went to state schools. He's, he has had a lot out from his tax and NI contributions, hasn't he? 
But that could count for all of us. Does that mean that once we stop paying to the system, that's, that's our lot? Once we move abroad, perhaps it's our lot. What if you move abroad in your 60s? Well, one would assume that you would have, have saved up enough money to make that a viable option or you would have some way of um, get generating an income. I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, uh, 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. I need, your, I need your help on this one, dear listener. So two things. The main road is, should expats have uh, a vote, a say in the way uh, this country is run? And also expats getting their state pensions. What do you think? I think you should speak to Tim, who needs to go out to work. Oh, Tim, what, Tim, I do apologise, Tim. What's your problem? What's your beef? Good morning, Ian. Um, I've got a quest for you this morning. Yes. Um, I've been driving to London for many, many years. You must be exhausted. I'm absolutely shattered, mate. Um, I'm driving in this morning, and I'm looking at the moon, and there's a rather odd star above it. I've never seen that before in my life. I just wonder what what it is. What? Right, Okay. So it's just above it, is it? It is, and you have to be quick, because it's getting light. Right. Where's Dealey? Uh, upstairs, I think. Right, right. De- Dealey, get get out now. Quick, go and stand in the car park and look at the moon. And tell us what it looks like. Tim, thank you very much indeed. D- d- what, you've never what? seen it before. No, I haven't. And one thing before you go, Ian, yes. I can bet you bet your bottom dollar now there's a million people looking out the window at the moon. Oh, well, I, 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 let's hope there is. Tim, before you go, we're playing Guess the Year this morning. Do you want to have a guess? Uh, I don't know. I didn't hear the, the intro to the year in the first place, so I'll have a guess. 1964. Oh, Tim, I put you on the spot and you got it wrong, but... Oh, no, I can't say anything. Playing guess of the year this morning, if you want to have a go. 08459 455 555. And what is Tim banging on about? There's a new star above the moon. Really? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's a very quiet start so far. No problems being flagged on the major routes on the speed sensors. Uh, there are ongoing closures because of flooding, though. In Felden, Longcroft Lane is closed. And in St Albans, Sandersbury Lane also closed around the High Street. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks very much, Alice. 6.15. It is Wednesday, the 26th of February. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. An international campaign has been launched to encourage British citizens living overseas to vote. It's hoped an extra 25,000 expats will vote in the European elections in May. A builder who conned a lonely and vulnerable widow out of half a million pounds is still on the run this morning. John Jenkins from Aylesbury failed to turn up for the last day of his trial at St Albans Crown Court. And in sports, Stevenage won a football game. What? So did MK Dons, Wickham and guess what, Luton. The weather today, a chilly start with isolated showers turning mainly dry with sunny spells during the afternoon. You see, Catherine, I'm, I'm getting to the confident stage. I'm, able, I'm starting to make football jokes. I'm able to make them. Stevenage haven't been doing very well, well recently. Luton are doing amazingly. Five goals last night. Five goals. Five I- goals last time. Seven the time before. That's, that's 17 goals in three that's games. Uh, and do you remember last year, we got very excited because we thought that Luton might be uh, promoted. Yes. Yeah, and they didn't. They muffed it up. Yeah. Right? My prediction is they're going to muff it up again this year. They'd have to do something quite radical. Well, and Simon Oxley, who's uh, reading the news, said something along the lines, I'll paraphrase so that neither of us lose our jobs. They would have to do uh, a lot to muff it. Basically, he says they cannot fail this year. They will definitely get promoted. I think Touch that's, wood. I think that's the kiss of death, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? BBC's Three Counties Radio.
every weekday from three. Why would anyone buy a mattress off the back of a van? Roberto Peroni. How do you keep a straight face? That is so funny. A professor from the University of Bedfordshire has followed in the footsteps of Indiana Jones. Weekdays from three. It's the family and lifestyle debate. Got an hour discussing business and finance. It's our politics panel discussing how politics affects us. Later in the show, it's all about the entertainment world. Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Up on a roof Up on a roof When this old world starts getting me down And people are just too much for me to face Up on the roof I climb way up to the top of the stairs And all my cares just drift right into space By the way, if you are up on the roof... Have a look at the moon. Apparently it's crazy. Apparently there's a, there's a mysterious star stroke um, alien invasion taking place. Imagine, just imagine for a second, an alien invasion actually took place. Would we notice? Well, if they came down um, with lasers and guns, yeah, I would totally poop myself. But the Brits pretend that they haven't noticed, don't they? You couldn't notice if an alien blows up the Houses of Parliament. When we walked, when we were in um, Dunstable the other day, we saw an outlandish sight, didn't we? No one batted an eyelid. What did we see? In, uh, oh, we saw oh. Some, a person who looked like they'd been rolled in superglue and and, uh, and then dipped in. It was it was a, a toy box. It, I don't know why they were wearing that thing, but no one minded. It was a terrible transvestite. Was it? Oh, it I was don't a, even know. I just thought it was bad bad colour choices. It was a terrible. Why do listen? I've, uh, transvestism. 
wonderful. That's great that you've made that choice. And in many ways, I'm envious that you're brave enough to step out. Uh, you know, I dress very conservatively. Well done. But why do so many transvestites um, think that women dress like prostitutes constantly? You don't... You, I haven't seen many um, conservatively dressed transvestites. They're all age dressed, appropriate. Yeah, they're all fifty-six-year-old men dressed as Barbie, dressed as, as Barbie prostitutes. <laughs> that was that was. Um, wow. just, the red and the pink did it for me. Anyway, should we let's ca- talk crack about on with more this? Serious yeah, this is this is incredibly serious actually. And this this story we've we've sort of been following it with half an eye here at BBC Three Counties Radio, and it's just take well it's it, it's it's terrible really. A builder from Aylesbury who conned a vulnerable widow out of half a million pounds. Uh, is still on the run this morning. 70-year-old John Jenkins didn't turn up for the last day of his trial on Monday or is sentencing yesterday. Got six years in his absence. Although it would appear he doesn't really care. Catherine, you've been looking at this. Just give us the background to this case. Okay, so 70-year-old John Jenkins was supposed to be being tried at St Albans Crown Court. He was accused of conning a vulnerable woman. This is a woman who has mental health problems and who is at best described as eccentric. Mm. He managed to get £500,000 out of her. Um, she had been persuaded to hire him to do some work on her home and one job led to a succession of others. A surveyor told the court that should have cost maximum of £6,000. But in the course of the, doing this work, he managed to gain her trust. She thought he was a good Samaritan. That's certainly the way he acted. And he went to town with it. And when I say he went to town, he literally went mm, to town dear. with the victim who drives a very small, modestly priced car and he actually tried to persuade her to buy him a Jaguar. She really? Re- she refused, Good. but she did buy him a Peugeot. Oh. You know, this is the suge- power of suggestion. She's clearly someone whose judgment isn't what it should be, and he exploited that to the tune of half a million pounds. The court heard he went on numerous shopping trips and he had holidays to Spain and America out so of it. How did he get found out? What, what happened? Well, in November 2011, the victim was so strapped for cash that she asked for a neighbour to lend her money to buy food. The neighbour then spoke to a friend of the victim. They looked at bank statements and contacted the police and saw what had been going on. And when interviewed by the police, Jenkins made himself out again to be a nice guy who'd just been trying to help. He told them that the house had been in an appalling state when he first visited and he just had to step in. Six bank accounts belonging to Jenkins revealed that this victim had paid him £530,000 over the time he was supposed to be working for her. And uh, she told police that she didn't get any invoices or receipts for that work. What happened at court earlier this week then? Well, he, he failed to attend St Albans Crown Court on Monday. That was supposed to be the final day of his trial. Uh, a warrant was issued for his arrest. The police went to two addresses um, in Berkhamsted, two in Aylesbury, where he'd lived previously, but he just couldn't find him. And the judge ruled that the case could continue in Jenkins' absence. The jury then found him guilty of fraud by false representation between April the 1st, 2008 and December the 31st, 2011. So this has been going on for years. Um, and Has anyone contacted John Jenkins and phoned him up? What's happened? This seems a little bit efforts ridiculous. Efforts have been made, is the way to put it. The judge recorder, Simon Sterling, told the jury that Jenkins had called his lawyer on Sunday in a distressed state. His girlfriend sent a text to uh, the lawyer, Mr Campbell, saying Jenkins went out Sunday night and hadn't come back. A third message sent to Mr Campbell said that the uh, Mr Jenkins was out of the country and didn't intend to come yeah, back. Yeah, Now, despite his disappearance, Jenkins was sentenced yesterday to six years in prison. And what have uh, Hertfordshire Police said about this? We invited them to come on and talk about this case today. Obviously, we want to try to help them, you know, 
follow any leads Find this have. absolute dodgepot. Someone may have seen him. He may have done it to someone else. But the investigating officer, unfortunately, was unavailable. But the assistant investigator, Deborah Newsham, told us that John Jenkins targeted a vulnerable woman, influencing her to believe that she didn't need any other friends in her life yeah. but him. The victim should now be able to start rebuilding her life. However, Jenkins has been cowardly and callous and not attended court to be sentenced. I would appeal to anyone who's seen him or knows of his whereabouts to contact police immediately. I've got to be honest, six years for ripping off someone with, with mental health problems to the tune of half a million pounds. Between 2008 and 2011. It, uh, six years, he'll, he'll, he'll do what, if they ever get him, he'll do three tops, probably two. Wouldn't he get more for absconding? Hopefully. Hopefully. Coward. We'll Absolute find out. Coward. We've got some experts coming on later. Catherine, thank you very much indeed. The music's spinning in our head Can't forget the feeling of love The magic of that summer in love Ooh, I want to take you there Do you want to turn back the pages? Memories the moon please what is it what is it Isn't it time we dance the night 
Finley, BBC Three Counties Radio. Expats, should they have the right to vote? And should they get their state pension if they're living abroad? It seems a little, a little odd to me. 08 459 455 555 is the telephone number. 629 BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting on the speed sensors in Bletchley, the A5 heading towards Milton Keynes looking a little busy. And in Cotterid, Warren Lane still closed around Spring Lane after a landslip. Public transport looking good. We've got no reported problems there. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thanks very much indeed. I do I do scratch my head slightly at the thought of expats living a wonderful life in the Philippines or in Spain or wherever and still receiving a state pension. Does that sit uncomfortably with you? Give me a call and we'll discuss it after the news with Simon Oxley. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 6.30. An international campaign has been launched to encourage British citizens living overseas to vote. It's hoped an extra 25,000 expats will vote in the European elections in May. A builder who conned a lonely and vulnerable widow out of half a million pounds is still on the run this morning. John Jenkins from Aylesbury failed to turn up for the last day of his trial at St Albans Crown Court. And a charity says there's a special need for a centre which helps child victims of sex abuse in Luton. A new NSPCC site has just opened in Adelaide. Street. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Wins last night for Stevenage, MK Dons, Wickham and Luton. Stevenage showed they're ready to fight against relegation with a 1-0 win over Crewe, courtesy of Francois Zoko's early goal. His manager, Graham Wesley. We got the early goal and uh, although we tried to encourage the lads to keep the ball and develop our game, you could see that they were just determined to keep that clean sheet and that's about all we did was just dig in, fight hard, run for our lives, put our bodies on the line and uh, we ground out a determined, if very ugly, 1-0 win. Also in League One, MK Dons won 2-1 at Oldham with goals from from George Bulldock and Isle McLeod, delighting manager Carl Robinson. I thought we tactically got it right when we were under pressure. It's difficult making change when you're 2-1 up and just conceded. I'm thrilled with that. I'm absolutely ecstatic to come here. <laughs> you're not Tuesday night? Oh, our stats would have told you we were the lost here today, so I'm over the moon with them. In League Two, Max Kretschmar's goal eased Wickham's relegation fears with the 1-0 win at Exeter. Here's manager Gareth Ainsworth. They're dead on their feet. They have given me absolutely everything tonight and I couldn't be prouder than the team. That They're just everything. It's fantastic. you know. I'm, and I'm sure when we get on the bus and that, there'll be a, a bit of banter. We've got a three-hour journey on, but it's nice to have a win and uh, what a fantastic goal to win again. And conference leaders Luton thrashed Wrexham 5-0 with two goals from Luke Guttridge and one apiece for Andre Gray, Paul Benson and Jake Howells. John Stills side. 14 points clear after Cambridge lost but he's not concerned with that that's my job you know my job is to make sure that that people concentrate on things that are important concentrate not just on the fact that they've won a game but how they've won it and what we could do better you know we've done that and we'll do some more work on Thursday and look forward to Saturday elsewhere in non-league football the matches at Bishop Stortford Hemel Hempstead and Biggleswade were all postponed and another bad night for David Moyes and Manchester United as they lost 2-0 away to Olympiacos in the first leg of their Champions League last 16 tie. Tonight, Chelsea are in Turkey to face Galatasaray. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. The next full bulletin is at seven. 
Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Is it chomping at chomping. the bit or champing? Chomping. Ch- you can chomp at a bit, though, because it's in your mouth, so you'd be chomping. Yeah. What does chomping... just makes it sound like you don't know what the proper saying is. What's the, what does chomping mean? Similar thing, I think. Um, in a horsey fashion. Is it minefield or minefield? Mine. Yours? Without the D. I've heard it's a minefield. Don't be mad. What? No, it can be a minefield. What's a minefield? Field of minds. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've heard of A Field of Dreams. Yay. Great film. That's a great movie, isn't it? There's another... Oh, I, that, someone the other day... His wife was annoying, though, wasn't she? I've never She's actually going, seen it. You go! You go! Yeah, America! I Someone the other day... In school, of, which I thought was embarrassing. Instead of saying mumbo-jumbo, said mumble-jumble. Oh. oh, it's all mumble-jumble to me. I thought, you, you idiot. I, wanted to sh- I really wanted to just shake him and flick his ear. But it makes a sense of its own... You know, we, we say it's all Greek to me. Yes. Do you know what the Greeks say? It's all Chinese to me. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. They say a similar thing in Spain. What do they say? Yeah, they say it's all Chinese. Oh, okay. Well, so they say but in Spanish. So they so say it's the similar, same. It's the same thing, but in a different language. So they say the same mm. thing. Clive Mantle. Yes. The giant actor from he had his ear bitten. Had his ear bitten off. It turns out in a legal. Scenario: The two gentlemen accused of assaulting Clive Mantle. I've been following this story, even though I never watched him in Casualty or Game of Thrones. I did. He was excellent. He was. I bet. I remember him being very big and powerful. Beautiful voice. Um, he uh, had his ear bitten off. Not the whole thing. Just a bit. In a hotel ruckus, and the two gentlemen. I don't want to say got off with it because that implies there's some guilt, but they were found not guilty. That's the the, the term. Oh. They were found not guilty of assault. And um, he was rescued by a nurse who was also staying in the hotel, convenient. Not that much of a nurse, though, because the reason they couldn't reattach part of his ear is because she put it in a jar of water and the water contaminated it. Oh. So maybe it was squash. Maybe she put it in a jar of squash. Aren't you supposed to put them on ice? Yeah. Or I would... I would if my ear peas. got... Peas, 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 peas. Well, you're not going to have peas in a hotel room, unlikely. No, but you've got a hotel kitchen. With frozen peas, you're available. thinking quickly. My my thing, what I would do is I would run a flannel under a cold tap for about thirty seconds, so it's really cold. Squeeze it dry, then put the ear in that, and then wrap it. Contaminated, is it? You've just lost an ear. Oh man, I'm down to one ear. Oh uh, eight four five nine. Oh, I don't need to give the number. Should we play a record then do the papers? No, let's talk to Ian quick. Oh yeah. Oh Ian, I do apologise. <laughs> okay. Ian in Barton. There's yeah. a there's a big bright star above the moon. Do you know what it is? Yes, it's the planet Venus, the brightest body in the sky other than the moon. Oh, the brightest body in the sky, except when Catherine's out nudie bathing at night time. Moon bathing. <laughs> uh, you're saying <laughs> Venus. I've been told it's, it's... Someone told me it was Jupiter. No, Jupiter at the moment is in actually visible in the evening sky. Oh. So this person who said Jupiter is wrong, are they? Yes. It's, it's Venus. definitely Venus. If you check on any ephemeris or uh, calendar that gives astronomical information, it'll tell you that. Catherine wants to ask no, you a question. No, I don't. Catherine wants to ask I'm you a question, Ian. I'm not doing the Uranus joke. Let I'm not doing the do Uranus. It. No. Ian, are you sure it's not Uranus? Yes, because Uranus is very, very mm. faint. Um, oh. It's hardly visible to the naked eye. Hands very up, faint star. Hands up who knows who discovered Uranus. Anyone? Guys? Ian, do you want to go at that one? Do you want to stab uh, for five yes, points? It was, um, it was Herschel, the famous astronomer. Yeah, what's his, what's his first name? Oh, I think it's William. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. You're yeah. my nemesis, Ian. <laughs> Ian, excellent stuff. While you're on, do you want to play Guess the Year? 
OK, yes. Away you go. Guess the year. Oh, oh, for um, the discovery of uh, Uranus? No, we just played this morning, we're playing Guess the Year. So have a guess. What's the year? 
Oh. I don't like Show Me, Show Me. It's a kids' programme, CBBS. Chris uh, Jarvis and uh, Poi. The Poi does not have a last name. Um, Doesn't need one. She's like Madonna. Exactly. Um, uh, and they, the, the, the second series, lots of budget cuts I've noticed at CBBS. Grandpa in my pocket. What's that green screen nightmare now? Mm. It's not studio Why is that, based. Uh, big kid still in it. Either get rid or have him still in it. I've not seen the big kid in it. The he goes, kid. well, so my grandma's got, I've got my yeah, cousins in it. Yeah, they've got two new kids, haven't yeah. they? Because the other one's got too big. Yeah. So get rid. Get rid. When Show you say biz, get rid, you mean... Show biz, it's not friend biz. It's not friend biz. But Chris and Poi do this show, Show Me, Show Me. A lot of fun. It was set in, a, in a, their apartment that was on the 11th floor. A lot of fun. 10th floor. Yeah, it was a shop, wasn't it, sometimes? Yeah, it could be whatever I've they wanted. I've got to have it. Um, and now they've set it outside. And I had a huge argument with my four-year-old and my wife last night. We were watching it. And I said, I, I don't like Show Me, Show Me outside. Why not? I, I just, uh, it, there's nowhere to sit down. It looks muddy. It's uncomfortable. I don't like being outside. Why not? We had a big argument because I don't like being outside. Also, when the toy goes missing, there's yeah. not that, that area of security. No. Um, knowing that they're somewhere in the, ro- in the room. It looks, it looks a bit shambolic. Just, what do, what do you reckon? Show me, show me. Do you prefer it inside or outside, mate? Uh, morning, boss. You've, uh, you've lost me on this one. Oh. Yeah, sorry. Show me, show me. Show me, do, 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 do. Show me, show me, do, do. <laughs> Ten worms wiggling, waving. Hello. Oh, I'm sure I've got it all to come, guys, but uh, not for me at this moment. Listen, Justin, we've got, we've, we, we've, I set you on a mission yeah. off air. Prior to the show beginning, we set you off on a little mission off air. So we're looking through the papers, which is what we're supposed to be doing now. And yeah. let's be honest, we haven't done much. I'm looking. There's a page three of the Express. Lunch hour lasts 34 minutes, OK? Workers take an average of just 34 and a half minutes over lunch. Around 72% of employees claim they are too busy to take the traditional hour, while others blame pressure to perform. And I remember when I started working in B-Jams at the age of 15... 25 years ago. I'm celebrating 25 years of employment, not continuous. Um, uh, you, you took your, your, your lunch started at 12. At 12 o'clock, you downed tools. Uh, you went in, and then at one or two minutes past one, you kind of slowly creep back onto the shop floor. Same yeah. with me at Dorothy Perkins. Yep. You go and sit upstairs next to the lockers and eat sad sandwiches yep. in a beige room. And you would never think, you would never think, do you know what, lunch is so boring and so miserable, I'm going to go back to, to work 25 minutes early. You just no. wouldn't do it. You would take that hour as twas your right. Exactly. But does anyone take lunch this anymore, Just? We've well, sent you out to find out. Yeah, I mean, 34 minutes, I'd say, is pretty good going, actually. I've been talking to uh, commuters this morning. Um, here's what they had to say about their lunch break. Madam, is there such a thing as a lunch break for you? No. No, I work in a busy retail shop in London, so um, lunch is emailing and eating at the same time. And what about friends and family that you know that, that go to work? Is, is a lunch break a thing of the past now? Well, um, my stepdad is a builder and he they always have a lunch break, but that's physical labour, so I suppose in certain jobs it's not a thing of the past. And all my staff get lunch breaks. They go off and have their lunch break. It's just being a manager. I suppose it's a thing of the past for management. I do get a lunch break, but I never have a lunch break. Right. don't get time. What, five days a week? You're not taking any time at all? Yeah, I'll just have a sandwich at my desk. Yeah, no, I've never, never ever had a lunch break since school. <laughs> really, that long? Yeah. Zach, where you work, the term lunch break, yeah. does that even exist? 
It does, but you're so kind of rush of time. You normally just eating at a desk, or it's ten or fifteen minutes at the most, to be honest. So, so it's not. It does exist, but I mean, in theory, you would have rather practice, to be honest. So the lunch hour that's gone. It's now the lunch fifteen minutes yeah, yeah. maximum. Yeah, that's right. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just quickly get a pop out, get a bit of air, get your lunch, and then put back in, at your desk and your ear there, and you carry on with your work. To be honest. And what if you said to your boss, "I tell you what, I'm entitled to a one hour lunch break. I'm taking that every single day." What do you think would happen then? I mean, they'll be fine with it, but you, you'd probably just kind of like end up kind of like working a bit later because you've got things to do. It's not so much kind of from your boss or anything. It's your own personal things. So you've got to get it done. So uh, it's not always possible. So, you know, you just get on with it, I suppose. Off to work. Thanks very much. Thank you very much, mate. The, the idea of a lunch break, I think, is becoming an old-fashioned one, Justin. I think so, and I think you will certainly struggle to find anybody in bed, tarts and bucks this morning who's going to phone you and they say, Ian, I take a lunch break and it's one hour every single day. But how many people, again, have, have gone to their boss and said, look, I'm actually entitled to a one-hour lunch break. I'm taking it. If you've had that conversation with your boss, what happened next? There'll be some... Thank you. He's doing my job. Call me now. I don't even need to turn up. Justin can do it all for me. Oh, no. Well, we know that, don't he, we? He tried that last week. <laughs> no, he's a... Justin, excellent stuff. Thank you very much. Oh, Justin, where are you off to this morning? I'm going to be uh, talking to people in Harpenden about uh, expats voting, whether they have uh, yes. the right to vote about what happens in this country, even though they don't live here. Could you do a little side order as well? Yeah, what, what are you after? Uh, 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 expats getting pensions abroad as well. Mm, yeah, Could, absolutely. Just maybe throw that into the mix if it's appropriate. And yeah. also, while you're outside, can you see the moon? Yeah, can I see the moon? The moon, the moon. No, I can't see the moon, actually, at the moment, no. Have a look. You might be able to see Uranus no <laughs> see, if, see if you can spot Venus. Uranus it's Venus uh, I'll have a look it's a very nice Uranus I've heard <laughs> it doesn't even, doesn't even work on any level but I'm glad he tried <laughs> travel news for beds cards and bugs BBC Three Counties Radio on the M40 northbound, Lane 3 is blocked between Junction 2 for Beaconsfield and 3 for Loudwater after an accident. Uh, no major delays showing up on the speed sensors, though. The M25 anti-clockwise building up at Junction 21 for the M1. Also, the A1M southbound starting to look slow at Junction 7 for Stevenage. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Right, 6.47, it's uh, Wednesday the 26th of February, I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. An international campaign has been launched to encourage British citizens living overseas to vote. It's hoped an extra 25,000 expats will vote in the European elections in May. A builder who conned a lonely and vulnerable widow out of half a million pounds is still on the run this morning. John Jenkins from Aylesbury failed to turn up for the last day of his trial at St Albans Crown Court. And in sport, football wins for Stevenage, MK Dons, Wickham and Luton. Right, let's get the weather. Here's Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, the clear skies doesn't only enable you to see the moon and Venus this morning. It means it's a bright but chilly start. Some locations hovering just around zero. Now, most of us hovering just above, actually. But there will be the more sheltered spot, which has a little bit of frost on their windscreen. Perhaps parts of Buckinghamshire, for example. But pretty much anyway, you may get a sparkle or two. But it is a bright start. Sunshine first thing this morning. One or two isolated showers. 
showers possible as we head through, but they will be few and far between. Won't amount to much and the sunshine will make up for it. It's not going to feel too bad either. The maximum temperature getting up to 10 Celsius. Drying clear to start overnight, but the wind will start to pick up through the middle part and then the arrival of the cloud and rain through the early hours of tomorrow morning. Notes our next frontal system. Some heavy rain pushing through as we get towards dawn tomorrow morning. Minimum temperature down to 4 Celsius. That's 39 degrees in Fahrenheit. Eventually that will clear out of the way tomorrow morning and then we'll leave sunshine and showers. Again, the temperature for Thursday getting up to 10 Celsius. That's your forecast. Every weekday morning from nine, the JVS Show. Well, whose fault is it that there are so many fat people in this country? It's a horrible word. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. But why do you want to kind of tiptoe around the issue? People are people. People aren't fat just because they're big. Tackling your consumer problems. Over the last few months, I've been palmed off every few days. There are some absolute rogues out there yeah. in the car industry. Tim, I'm going to send uh, Wayne in yes, to you. Let's get some detail and we'll get okay, this sorted out. The J- JVS Show, weekdays from nine, BBC Three Counties Radio. Richard? Good morning, Mr Lee. How are nice to speak to you? He wants something. I'm, He's susp- after something. I'm suspicious. Who we're gonna play well, we've we've just discovered a cracking song Go on. On, uh, on the computer system here, right? I mean we've just found a great record in the uh, record box here, right? Is it Sunny and Sure again? I love that record. Again, I don't think we've played it for ages, have we? Anyway. Play it again. Reminds me of my misspent misspent youth. Why? Did, were you a hippie? No, 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 no. I was international jet, jet set. You were married to Cher. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's the theme to, tune to Just Good Friends by Paul Nicholas. Well, then. Well, what now? If you like. All right. What would you say If I told you things Had never changed And We'll find a way I didn't realise it was that slow. Maybe it'll kick in in a minute. Uh, okay. No, it's too slow. We'll find another song. We'll find another. that at all. No, I don't, but it got us thinking. His girlfriend in Just Good Friends, or were they girl, boyfriend and girlfriend? Who knows? Uh, Pen. Married in the end, didn't they? Uh, did they get married? Yeah. Who who played Pen Penny in Just Good Friends? I'm got a clue. Oh. Well, that's done exactly the same thing. <clears throat> Sorry? Are we on about pensions? Well, I suppose we can be, if you want. Uh, expats, they shouldn't get pensions, should they? Of course they should. Why? Just another cheapskate attempt by the government to screw a vulnerable age group. Now, supposing they went to live in Wales or Scotland. Oh, no, we can't pay them. You go to work... <clears throat> oh, for goodness <laughs> sakes, Richard. Listen, you go to work, and at the, month, at the end of the month, you get paid. Suppose you went to live in France... Because you happen to lie. Hell no, we can't pay you this month because you live in France. It's another cheapskate attempt by no, the government. Well, first of all, hang on a minute, mm-hmm. Richard. Richard. Yeah. First of all, the years. Yeah. The government haven't said anything about this. This is me saying it. I thought it was the government were trying to do it. No, the government are trying to get expats to vote. I'm saying that we shouldn't give expats their pensions. Well, of course you should. You've paid for it. You've earned it. No, 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 no. No, <laughs> no, no. The pension... Right, <clears throat> you, you're an old man, aren't you? So you're probably getting a pension, Yeah. Well, I'm 37. But my body's a lot older. The pension that you're getting now... I pay for. No, no, no. And I want it. If we all strike, stick together as pensioners, you would even get a decent pension one day, and it's not a benefit. You're not... Richard, listen, please, for once. Go on, then. The pension that you're getting now, you haven't paid for, right? I have. 
The pension that you're getting now, I am paying for now. No, they took my money, they promised me a deal, and I want my money back, or they will rue the day. Shall I, shall I cut you off? No, don't do that. I think I'm going to. Go on, then. My brave, my brave, my brave in the dirt LP that this comes from. Oh, right. It was 99 pence on Amazon, so you can't really argue. 
with those stats. Or papers. Free off my dad. We should have um, been looking at the papers the last 25 yeah, yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have been, but not to you. Okay, yes, to, to each other. We've got two minutes to go through them. Right. What you got? Dyslexia is a meaningless label sought out by middle class parents who feel their children fear their children being branded stupid or lazy. What? I'm not saying that. That would be ridiculous. An academic is claiming this. Professor Julian Elliott, who's an educational psychologist and former special needs teacher, said it's clear that some children do have genuine complex reading problems. However, the definition of dyslexia is so broad that it's impossible to make any meaningful separation for other poor readers. That's on page 11 of the Daily Mail. I do, I do think that a lot of these terms... Dyslexia, ADHD. I think they're bandied around a little bit too freely. And sometimes, not all the time, people will not be hearing what I'm about to say. They'll hear what they think I'm saying I'm not. Uh, I think sometimes naughty children, disobedient children, children with, with, with behavioural issues are labelled as ADHD or as Asperger's or as or, or, or tis, on the autistic spectrum, whatever that means, or as dyslexic. When actually they just need a damn good sitting down and a, a telling off. I'm not saying that's all of them at all. Of course there are kids that, that need special treatment and, and things like that. But I, I do think it's, it's handed out a little bit too liberally. Some people do self-diagnose as well. Yeah. It doesn't help people who actually have a genuinely diagnosed problem. Yes, little Martin's on the uh, on the spectrum. No, he's not. He needs he needs to be sent to his room without any supper for a few nights in the row. That'll sort him out. Someone else needs to send into their room. Page 19 of the uh, Daily Mail. What? It's coming up. Trump's today. A cyclist calls rush hour chaos after following a phone app onto the M25. Did someone spike my um, chicken dippers yesterday? I was sitting listening to... <laughs> <laughs> sitting listening to Roberto Peroni's excellent programme and I'm sure there was talk of someone doing it on the M1 I saw someone on the M4 on their bicycle this week, I'm sure of it there was a guy with a bicycle on the hard shoulder and the police had pulled him over what's going on with cyclists? You would have to not be from round here surely, wouldn't you to, to venture onto a motorway? What? It's illegal isn't it, obviously so why and, would anybody? And and frightening I would imagine, why would you do that to yourself? 08459 555 Andrew Sachs is in the papers again this time it's Andrew Sachs's uh, uh, I don't know if it's his son or his um, yeah, son-in-law uh, he's saying, look, he, he, he fell out with Georgina who was one of the satanic sluts over this whole rush she's a band by the way it's yep. not just your judgment. although I have met her um, and it, it was over this whole Russell Brand uh, Jonathan Ross she was the one at the centre of that Sachs phone Sachsgate thing I do think Andrew Sachs stop banging on about it you've got a book out we know get over it what happened happened five years ago it wasn't funny wasn't particularly pleasant although I heard this weekend and I'd need to verify this. Andrew Sachs had to give permission for that phone message to be played out on Radio 2. Really? He gave permission for that to be played out. True or not, Andrew Sachs, get over it, mate. It was five years ago. It wasn't that bad. Shouldn't have happened, mind. Shouldn't have happened, but it weren't that bad. You've got 20 seconds. Uh, blow for PM, as half of UKIP voters say, we'd never back the Tories. I was hoping you'd fill it with something interesting. Well, you, may, you sprung that on me, so I'm, it's just the first thing that came I in. didn't spring it on you, we were doing the papers. Did Mafia rig Ali's oh. title victory over Liston with one million dollar bribe? You don't even know what that means. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M40 northbound, there are queues after an earlier accident between Junction 2 for Beaconsfield and 3 for Loudwater. Also in Golders Green, the north circular eastbound, so that's just after you come off the M1 and head towards the A1. It's queuing after an accident at the Brent Cross flyover. 
On the speed sensors, the A1M southbound, really looking slow at 7 for Stevenage. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Alice. So much to talk about expats getting the vote and their pensions. When was the last time you took a full hour lunch break? Let's get the news with Simon Oxley. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's seven o'clock. The headlines, expats urge to vote. Buckinghamshire Builder still on the run and wins for Stevenage, MK Dons, Wickham and Luton. BBC Three Counties Radio. An international campaign has been launched to encourage British citizens living overseas to vote. It's hoped an extra 25,000 expats will vote in the European elections in May. These people in Harpenden have mixed views. I think it rather depends how long they're going to be expats for. If they're out there for three years, then yes. If they're out there long term, then probably no, because they don't have any role to play in the British um, economy or British politics. I think probably they are, yeah. I mean, they have, as it were, their income provided mainly by pensions coming from this country um, and they're still subjects of this country, so, yeah, they should have a right to vote in this country, yeah. A builder who conned a lonely and vulnerable widow out of half a million pounds is still on the run this morning. John Jenkins from Aylesbury failed to turn up for the last day of his trial at St Albans Crown Court. More from Gail Sanderson. The 70-year-old was found guilty in his absence of fraud and sentenced to six years in prison. Earlier, the court heard how over three and a half years, 67-year-old Josephine Stubbings from Berkhamsted paid £532,000 to Jenkins for building work that has surveyed said should have cost 60000 at most. He spent the money on holidays in Spain and the United States. It's thought he may have fled abroad. The judge has issued a warrant for his arrest. The energy regulator Ofgem has just announced a series of measures which it says will break down barriers to competition and make the market work better for consumers. The big six energy firms will face closer scrutiny of their finances and are being warned to trade fairly with independent suppliers or face financial penalties. A charity says there's a special need for a centre which helps child victims of sex abuse in Luton. Because of this, a new NSPCC site has just opened in Adelaide Street. There's also a programme for families of abuse victims which teaches parents how to protect their children in the future. The European Parliament will today vote on tighter regulations for electronic cigarettes. The Parliament has already decided they're consumer products, so won't have the same controls as nicotine patches, which are classed as medicinal. However, some MEPs still want them to be regulated on health and safety grounds. In sport in last night's football, Stevenage beat Crewe 1-0, MK Dons won 2-1 at Oldham, Wickham won 1-0 at Exeter and Luton march on. And Luton could go five up here and he's going to take this penalty and score. It was easy fouls. And Luton have scored five at Kenilworth Road again. The Hatters are 14 points clear at the top of the conference after beating Wrexham 5-0. The weather mainly dry with sunny spells after a chilly start, but with isolated showers moving in from the west, a maximum temperature 10 degrees Celsius. And you can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about this morning. We're asking whether expats should have the right to vote. If they've made the choice of living abroad, should they have the right to vote? A little side issue, a side knot. 
if you will, a little bit of uh, bread on the side of the plate, should expats get their state pension? Terrible story uh, about a con man who, over several years, conned a, a, a vulnerable woman out of half a million pounds. Well, he's been sentenced to six years in his absence. He's done a runner. And also, lunch breaks are down to 34 minutes. Well, I think if you get 34 minutes, you're doing all right. When was the last time you actually had a lunch break? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Trucker Chris is on the line. Morning, Trucker Chris. Trucker Chris. Trucker Chris, I want to touch you. I want to touch your body, Trucker Chris. (laughs) (laughs) I made myself laugh. No one else. No one else. What can I do for you, Trucker Chris? Uh, Well, just your lunch breaks. Yes. Lunch break, I had one yesterday. Lasted an hour and ten minutes. Because all truckers are obliged by law to have a minimum of 45 minutes. Oh. And seeing as most of us don't get paid for an hour... We take an hour. So you take... That makes sense to yeah, you. And where do you have your lunch break? Do you, do you have it in your cab, or do you get out and go to uh, a little well, chef? It, it depends where we are. Some, sometimes, um, I mean, you'll see these burger bars. I mean, I don't use them things. I don't like them. Uh, you see a burger bar beside of the road in a lay-by, so yeah. you, some guys oh. will put it in there. Those places, those places do crack no. in fried egg rolls. Um, yeah, the other, the other place that... Um, the uh, service stations on the motorways or some of the BP stations now, they've got a little service area where we pull in. Or Other than that, if we can't find anywhere and it's coming towards our time because we're governed by how much time we can drive, um, if there's a lay-by or, or an industrial estate, we'll pull, we'll pull in there. Yeah, I mean, most of us have it in the cab, we'll get out, we'll sit in the other seat. Chris, like we all carry flasks and things like that. Chris, you know, can so I ask you a question? Problem. Yes, mate. Why do truckers do that annoying thing on the motorway What's Where that? if one one's empty, one's full, so that you're going uphill, so the empty one will will then spend ages trying to overtake, and then he gets in front, and then you start going downhill, so the one that's full is a bit faster, so he overtakes. Why, why do you keep doing that and blocking up the lanes? Uh, well, no, it's not. It's not. Come on, uh, you I love it. it. I suppose we don't actually. It's annoying. Oh, you love it. It's a bit of fun. <laughs> no, well, what happens is you see you get the full one on the inside lane, yeah, and then his speed will start dropping back. Yeah, um, I understand so the physics of it. Yeah, yeah, he'll start dropping back, so the lights will want to pull out and, and, go, and go past him, which is fair dues in that sense, because, I mean, you've got to That's keep the speed dues. up to get up the hill. Yeah, And then, um, coming down the other side, the, the heavier yeah. one will have the inertia effect. Yeah, I get the, I've got, got the, the physics of it, Chris. Why do you do it and wind me up every day? Well, well, the, well the thing is, I mean, what would you want? A, a complete long line of trucks all sitting in an inside yeah. lane? Yes. Why? Well, well, because then then I will stay in the middle lane and I will overtake you and I won't oh, have yeah, to keep going out no, to the no, fast lane. Again, you, oh, yeah, see, but again, you'll be hogging the middle lane, won't you? No, no, you're, you're hogging the middle <laughs> lane, Chris. Chris, <laughs> say, you, say, you hello, you would. say hello to Catherine. You just said you would. Yeah, say hello to Catherine. Good morning, Catherine, my darling. How's Hi. Lady Catherine this morning? Very well, Trucker Chris. Took a Chris. Uh, let, uh, let us know if he gives you any grief. We'll be down here to sort him. Oh. Ah, lovely. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chris. Goodbye. You've got a proper horrible grin in your face now. I've got an army of truckers oh. willing to do my bidding. What's not to yeah, like? They're not going to look like um, Chris Christopherson in Convoy, for goodness sakes. You know exactly what they're going to look like. Big, 
fellas. British beef. <laughs> oh, dear. Now, people emigrate for lots of different reasons. Michael Caine did it for tax reasons. Uh, Mike Oldfield threatened to do it because of the smoking ban. Is that true? It's true. Oh, man. If I, uh, he'll do it, and then he'll release another version of Tubular Bells. The Tubular Bells. Phil Collin, Collins threatened to do it, uh, uh, threatened to come back if the Tories got in. Luckily, he was telling us a lie. The Electoral Commission wants all these people who, for one reason or another, have opted out of life over here to have a say in how we're run. It's hoped that an extra 25,000 people who live overseas will vote in the European parliamentary elections in May. Justin Dealey has been in Harpenden and he's been asking whether expats deserve the right to vote. No, I don't think so. I think that if you live in the country, then you should have a say in, in, you know, in the governments and, and whatever in that country. I mean, to put a scenario to you, if you lived in Spain... Would you still want to vote about what happens in this country? Would you even be bothered? Well, probably, yes. Uh, Yeah, I think I would, yes. Because, uh, you know, I I say I I love this country and, uh, you know, I want to see the best for it. I think probably they are, yeah. I mean, they have, as it were, their income provided mainly by pensions coming from this country um, and they're still subjects of this country. So, yeah, they should have a right to vote in this country, yeah. Probably, but I'm for a limited period. I'm not sure for how long. Similarly, I think that only people who have citizenship should vote here. Uh, so if, it's, if they move away for 20, 30 years, not sure. But good question. I would think so, yes. Because uh, you're born and bred here and uh, you want to stick up for the country where you're born. Even though you've, you've left the country, technically abandoned the country for, for whatever reason. Yeah, but you've gone to another country to... Uh, Better yourself, better your life, but uh, all honesty, uh, born and bred up here, and you should be supporting this country that you were born and bred in. The thing is, though, they're not supporting the country by leaving in the first place, are they? You can't have it both ways. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, that's Justin Dealey uh, speaking to people earlier on. Joined now by Richard Howitt, who is the Labour MEP for the East of England. Uh, Richard, good morning. Morning, Ian. Convoy. God, what, now there's I a trucker. Chris, I think trucker Chris. Like when he leaves the country, he doesn't abandon the country. He's going for work. People leave for all sorts of reasons. Oh yeah, but you, you but get I'd people. Watch out if he turns up in. You, but you get these. I know. I'm, ter- I'm terrified. And well done for the convoy <laughs> reference. What a great film. I might. I might dig that out this weekend. But Pete, we spoke to a fella who's lived in the Philippines for the last twelve years. What? Why should someone like that have a say in how the country is run? Uh, because. In most countries, there's a lot of expatriate voting. It's the norm. In many countries, they have their own constituents. In France, for example, there are specific MPs in their parliament who represent overseas territories. And we're we're one of only five countries out of the 28 in Europe that are deemed not to be being fair to our expatriate voters. Uh, And if you are abroad, and the lady from Harpenden who said for a limited period, that is the rule. It's up to 15 years, and then there's a cut-off point. But if um, uh, you are going abroad for work, for study, for whatever reason, uh, not for the chap who's absconded um, uh, because he doesn't want to do a six-year prison sentence, by the way, but if you've gone abroad for legitimate reasons, you're going to be coming back. You are worried about the rules through which you get your pension. Um, If the National Health Service is being taken apart, you might be coming back and dependent on it in your older years. You've got a view about those things. Why shouldn't that be expressed through the ballot box? It's interesting. You're you're a a Labour MEP, and I would have thought that the majority... 
majority yeah, of... For, for saying it. Well, I'm just clarifying it. I would have thought the majority of, of expats um, would have been Tory voters. They would be people of a certain age uh, and perhaps of a certain political persuasion. Do you think that the Conservatives would, would, would benefit the most out of this? Well, you know, let me let you into a secret. Some politicians believe in democracy first. And I'm not sure whether this helps the Conservatives or, or Labour or anyone else. But I think that in this period where so many people are cynical about politicians and uh, apathetic or think we're all the same and all the rest of it, um, we have to actually show the public that we want to serve them, uh, that most of us in all parties are there for noble and proper reasons, uh, and that democracy is a very precious thing that people have worked for, many, some have died for. Uh, and if we can improve that democracy by getting more young people to vote at home, by using different forms of voting, like uh, online voting, and yes, letting people who are temporarily overseas make sure they don't lose their vote, and, and bring a bit of excitement and enthusiasm in it. And this is a, an important civic duty that enables you to have a say about your community, about your country. And for heaven's sake, I'm a member of the European Parliament for Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire. If someone is in one of those 27 other countries uh, for the European Parliament, of course they've got a view about how Europe should operate. Now they can choose between voting abroad or voting at home. Why not give them that choice? In terms of um, general elections and local elections, who, who would, where would their vote be registered? Their last address in the UK? Who, who would they be voting on behalf of? Yes, that is right. It's their last address right. that counts. Which, by the way, for the Scottish referendum in the autumn of this year, you've got all these people, and they have to have been in Scotland to have a, a view about that. Otherwise, you get all this English um, uh, sh shoving off abroad to try and uh, register our votes. So, yes, where you were vote. There's another interesting one, which is that if you're a child who was who was born um, abroad but the parents uh, moved abroad in that time limit, you can still, when you reach the age of majority, um, uh, get the vote as well. That's so, got to be um, wrong. That That's got to be wrong, Richard. You're, you're born abroad, but your parents lived here, so you can, you can still vote? Does that mean that if you've got British parents, you can't feel British because you were born abroad? No, no, not in the slightest. I, 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 not in the slightest. But I do think that if you weren't even born in this country and you're still living abroad, to be given the vote sounds a little bit odd, what, doesn't it? What about, our, what about our service personnel or our ambassadors and our foreign office staff and others that are serving the British nation abroad? You know, maybe posted abroad. The children are born there. Te Why should they be disenfranchised? Technically, um, uh, you, you, maybe you can clarify this, Richard. If if you're if you live on a service base, isn't that classed as British territory? Oh, that's a good one. It is a good I'll one. I, I've got one. that in the back I'll of my give head. You that one. Yeah, thank you very much. But I'll tell you why. I, I'll tell you why I know that because uh, our Cypriot colleagues and I love Cyprus. I think it's a fantastic country. Uh, but our Cypriot colleagues rather resent the British bases there. But they are sovereign British territory. So you're absolutely right to say that. Well done. Richard, nice uh, aspiring and speaking with you this morning. Richard Howitt, Labour MEP for the East of England. Uh, let's very quickly go. Give us your thoughts on that. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Joe's in his car. Morning, Joe. Good morning, Ian. I want to squeeze you in before the travel. You've got a little bit of news for us, haven't you? Yeah, on the Chesham Road between Chesham and Great Missenden. People who know the road, it's where it flattens out at the top. There's about a hundred and fifty metres of black ice, and I. I know it's about that long because me car cutting in and out trying to break. There's two cars off, four or five cars all over the place. It is absolutely lethal. Oh, blood. Give us that exactly where that, where that is again, Joe. 
the Chesham Road between Chesham and Great Missenden. Yep, Joe, thank you very much indeed. Well, uh, if you've got any more information on, on that, 08459 Let's get the uh, full travel bulletin now with Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Golders Green on the North Circular eastbound, that's just after you come off the M1 and head towards the A1, uh, queuing after an earlier accident at the Brent Cross flyover. In Mill Hill, the A1 is queuing between Mill Hill Circus and the Stirling Corner after an accident and also just the normal morning delays. The M25 anti-clockwise slow around Junction 21 for the M1. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much. Yes, let's get Richard Howitt on again at some point. I thought he was... uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Right, it's 7.16. It's Wednesday the 26th of February. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. An international campaign has been launched to encourage British citizens living overseas to vote. It's hoped an extra 25,000 expats will vote in the European elections in May. A builder who conned a lonely and vulnerable widow out of half a million pounds is still on the run this morning. John Jenkins from Aylesbury failed to turn up for the last day of his trial at St Albans Crown Court. And in sport, there were wins last night for Stevenage, MK Dons, Wickham and Luton. Weather today, chilly start, isolated showers turning mainly dry with sunny spells this afternoon. Maximum temperature, 10 degrees. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday between 12 and 3, I'm here with a little bit of celebrity. My geography teacher at school resurrected a jazz standard song, which was Won't You Come Home, Bill Bailey. It made me dedicate myself to be trying to be better. I always felt that I wasn't quite good enough. Expert advice. Absolutely. You've got it. You've nailed it. I am so happy. Thank you. And loads of really great music. Nick Coffer. Weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the uh, telephone number if you want to give us a call. Now, a terribly sad story. A builder from Aylesbury who conned a vulnerable widow out of half a million pounds is still on the run this morning. John Jenkins failed to turn up for the last day of his trial on Monday and was yesterday sentenced to six years in his absence. We can talk now to Jude Lanchin, who's a senior associate in criminal defence at law firm Bindman. Is it Bindman's, Jude? Bindman's LLP. I'm glad we got that right. Thank you. Uh, Is this a common occurrence of the the defendants absconding? Well, it's difficult to um, provide you with exact figures. Um, And it depends. I mean, there are people do abscond at various stages. Some people don't turn up for the first day of their trial, Um, they don't turn up for police stations. Um, and they abscond mid-trial. I would say that it's probably less common that people begin a trial um, and go as far as the person that you're speaking about, the defendant, and then leave after they've given evidence and before the jury's made a decision. Would there have been... Jude, would there have been um, bail restrictions posted on this gentleman? Well, I can't comment, obviously, on the specifics. Um, Whether he had bail conditions or not would have depended on a number of factors, including whether he had previous convictions, whether the court and the prosecution had claimed that he was a flight risk 
if, if the court had decided that they thought he might have gone, then they could have imposed a number of conditions on him. And he was facing a fairly serious charge, so I would have thought there would be some would have been some conditions on him. What kind of conditions does the court have the power to impose? Well, to prevent flight, there are quite a number. Uh, first of all, they could ask or demand or order that somebody had a residence condition, which would be where they would have to live and sleep each night. They could impose a curfew uh, with a police check or an electronic tag at that address so that they could actually be tagged to electronically and monitored as to being living there. They could impose reporting at a police station up to every day a week, every day each week, so that uh, somebody would have to go in physically to a police station and sign a book which would show that, you know, at least at some point during that day they were around. And then, of course, there were financial conditions, security, which is a deposit of money into the court, or a um, surety, which is a guarantee of money. And um, all of that is done quite formally. The police would have to check out anybody that put forward money on somebody's behalf. It would have to be somebody without... Um, convictions, etc. So there are a number of things. And of course, in the surrender of passport, um, a, a condition not to apply for travel documents. So there are there is a broad range of uh, various conditions the court could put. I would have thought, thing. Jude, that the, the um, surrender of passports would, would be one of the first things that courts would do for most cases. Is that not the, is that not the situation? No, not, not for most cases. It really depends on the seriousness of the case and also on the conclusion of the court as to whether this is a person who is likely to abscond. I mean, all of this has to be done in accordance with the Bail Act, and there are various legal provisions and legal considerations that the court has to go through in order to conclude that somebody is even a flight risk. So just the fact of having been charged with something and facing a, a trial can't be concluded in the absence of, of any other kind of factors that somebody is, is not going to turn up. Um, otherwise, everybody would be on condition. Is, would a sentence, um, I, I'm, I'm imagining, a sentence would be harsher if the person doesn't turn up for sentencing? Would that be taken into consideration, or is that a separate thing? Well, it is separate, in fact. Um, clearly, one can't comment um, on what is inside the judge's mind, and they are human, and undoubtedly there probably could well be, shall I put it like that, a, a, an additionally harsh element, or harsher element, more punitive element, because they're not there. But of course the judges are supposed to, and, I've caught, and I'm sure most of them do, sentence in accordance with case law and statute, and the facts and circumstances of the individual case as opposed to the fact that the person isn't there. So they shouldn't really know. Obviously, a warrant will be issued by the court, and in due course, should that person either be apprehended abroad or somewhere else in the country, um, he or she will be brought back to court. And, of course, what it will do is impact on any bail in the future. Mm. So if they had bail before, um, there's, there's no way they'd get it. Jude, thank you very much for your time. Fascinating stuff. Jude Lanchin, uh, Senior Associate in Criminal Defence at law firm Bindman's LLP. The, John Jenkins is the name of the gentleman who's done a runner. The coward. I call him a gentleman. He's a coward. 
over a period of years, fleeced a vulnerable woman out of a half a million pounds. She had mental health issues, you know, and he, he took advantage, and he's done a runner. Coward. 08459 555555 is the uh, telephone number if you want to give us a call. Time to have a quick look at the papers. By the way, uh, we are playing Guess the Year. So if you want to give us a call and guess the year, now I've got uh, one, two, three lines free and I can see my team are raring to go. Is that right, team? Oh, yeah. There we go. You see, they're raring to go. So if you want to play guess the year, now is an excellent time to give us a call. Front page of the Daily Telegraph. Victims of IRA bomb cheated of justice by a monumental blunder. This is an incredible story, which I've kind of been following with half an ear. Um, Four soldiers murdered in one of Britain's most notorious IRA bombings have been denied justice after a key suspect walked free from court because of a monumental police blunder. Basically, this fella, 64, wanted for the uh, Hyde Park bombing, which was in 1982, and he got sent a letter by the police saying, oh, yeah, no, we don't want you for that. You're, You're not a suspect in that. And because he's got that letter, he turns up at court and he says, oh, no, I've got this letter. So I'm not a suspect, and they go, ah, oh, OK, we have to let you go. It's the... I'm simplifying ever so slightly. It's the most incredible story. Matt's not even bothered this morning. I mean, Matt's cartoon is just utter, utter guff. The uh, Guardian, Gove to write to all schools as he back, backed anti-FGM uh, fights. What's that? Female genital mutilation, isn't it? Let's get that, uh, let's get that right. So Gove is backing anti-female genital mutilation. Does anyone need to actually come out and say, do you know what, I am dead against that female genital mutilation. Seriously, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm re- Does anyone need to express that they are against that? Because I would have thought that most people, apart from those people that are doing it, are against, and I'll say the phrase one more time, female genital mutilation. It's like... Um, on Twitter, you get... Yeah, retweet if you uh, hate seeing kids with cancer. Retweet if you don't like you don't like um, you know if you want to support Missy. Why why is me retweeting something a sign that I hate kids with cancer? I hate kids with cancer. I don't hate the kids. I hate the fact that children get cancer. I hate the fact that terrible things happen in the world. Why do I have to voice my concern by retweeting or liking a post on Facebook? Surely the point is that that kind of thing puts pressure on governments to act. It shows that people care about it. Does it really? Well, does, does it should. I know some of them just go as far as to, hands up if you don't like it, but it should go, and we'll do this about it. I, 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 yeah, do something about it. But, but me retweeting, oh, oh, Ian Lee, who used to be on the telly. Oh, Ian Lee from Big Brother and local radio. Oh, so, so you don't mind it if kids get ill? Of course I mind it. But why is me retweeting something going to do it? It's not going to achieve anything. Hmm. The Times. Uh, IRA bum uh, bum suspects? (laughs) Oh, dear. I've done a a litter bugging, haven't I? (gasps) Carry on, no one notice. IRA bomb suspect. Freed after catastrophe. Was one of Ali's greatest fights fixed by the mob? Muhammad Ali punching Sonny Liston in the face there. Was it fixed by the mob? You have to turn to page 15 to find out. And do you know what, really? I'm I, guessing no. Yeah, probably not. Or maybe yes. Ma- but it was a long time ago. Certainly one of the two. Um, the front page of the Independent. Catastrophic police bl- blunder frees alleged Hyde Park bomber. And there's a horrible picture there. There's an incredible picture on the front page of the Daily Mail. 
a fella getting killed with a punch to the face. Oh, gosh, yeah, I've seen that. The CCTV um, footage. Uh, it's, it's awful, awful. A vulnerable man's life ended by a punch after he complained about a cyclist on the pavement. Four years jail for a thug who'll be out in two and a mother's verdict. What a sick joke. Uh, and we've had, the, we've had this as a, a local story. Remember the, the gentleman fighting over the car park space? Yes. One punch... That punch is, is timed, you know, he hits the right spot and then you smack your head on the concrete, you're dead. And we spoke to the widow of a man who was punched in a pub, wasn't he? Do you remember? And she, 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 he oh, never came back from that night out. Oh, gosh, that was awful. But the other impact of this awful. kind of story is it stops people stepping in. It stops people daring to take responsibility. Well, this fella, what this fella's done, and he's um, he, he has a condition. Was he Asperger's? He may be Asperger's. He's something. Uh, and basically, he, some fella was uh, riding on the pavement, and so this fella said, "Oi, steady on, mate! You don't ride on the pavement." And so this, his mate whacked him one and killed him for being, as it says there, a good citizen. It does make you think. Well, would you say anything? Probably not now. Probably not now. Uh, the Daily Express: New way to end arthritis pain. Simple jab has no side effects. Well, let's go and get it today. Oh, it won't be for quite a while. All right. And the Sun has uh, a footballer who's accused of a sexual assault. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give me uh, a call. Uh, Jan Francis. It was Jan Francis. You've been reading the text, haven't you? I have, Linda. Thank you, Jan Francis. All right, Pen. That was she was in Just Good Friends. That was lovely. What was the problem with them getting together? He was a bit. Uh, he was a wide boy. His dad owned um, like a used car lot. She was posh. She was posh and, and a little bit stuck up. I wonder what she looks like now. Dare I? Dare I? I imagine look? she looks quite similar. Oh, dare I? I'll have a look during the news. Um, Jan Francis played Vince's girlfriend and just good friends says Ray thank you very much uh, re-lunch breaks Nick says I drive a truck for a major retailer I have to take a break to comply with the law I must show a break of a minimum of at least 45 minutes and Gabriel says that ex- expat pensioner in the Philippines still gets a winter heating allowance while he's sipping his beer in the 30 degree such do they really? yes they do they're entitled oh come right Right, I've had enough of this. Expats should not get winter fuel allowance. That's obvious, isn't it? That there's a question mark around their state pension, a question mark that I'm, I'd like to erase. But the winter fuel allowance, you are having a laugh. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Mill Hill, the A1 is queuing after an accident at the Mill Hill Circus, with queues at the moment going back to Stirling Corner. Going between Chesham and Great Missenden, the Chesham Road, we've got reports of black ice along that stretch of about 150 metres. The A5 on the speed sensor is really slow on the southbound carriageway as you pass Margate. And the M25 anti-clockwise queuing between Junction 21 for the M1 and 20 for Kings Langley. Also queuing between 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Counties Radio. Oh, Jan Francis, even at the age of 67, you still excite me so! Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. (laughs) 
It's 7.30, I'm Simon Oxley. An international campaign has been launched to encourage British citizens living overseas to vote. It's hoped an extra 25,000 expats will vote in the European elections in May. A builder who conned a vulnerable Hertfordshire widow out of half a million pounds is still on the run this morning. John Jenkins from Aylesbury failed to turn up for the last day of his trial at St Albans Crown Court. And a Luton councillor under investigation by the police has been dropped by Labour as a candidate for the upcoming European elections. Nassim Ayub, an executive member of the council, was suspended by the party last month after comments she allegedly made on the internet. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Wins for Stevenage, MK Dons, Wickham and Luton last night. Stevenage showed they're ready to fight against relegation with a 1-0 win over Crewe, courtesy of Francois Zoko's early goal. His manager, Graham Westley. Those youngsters, I think, showed their inexperience probably on the night, but they'll grow. They'll grow on that experience tonight. They'll realise you've got to be better in possession of the ball if you're going to control a game and develop your game. Um, then those lads will, will grow for, for the experience tonight, and that's what it's all about. Also in League One, MK Dons won 2-1 at Oldham with goals from Isle McLeod and, in particular, George Baldock delighting manager Carl Robinson. He's not trained for two days. He got a terrible whack on Saturday. Um, he was touching goal where he could play. The medical team and everybody really went around the clock and I'm, I'm so happy for the kid because he's, uh, he's becoming a bit of a favourite of the clubs, I think. Um, but now he's standing on his own and I think that's a tremendous testament and credit to him. In League Two, Max Kretschmar's goal eased Wickham's relegation fears with the 1-0 win at Exeter. Here's their manager, Gareth Ainsworth. You know, what a young talent we've got there. You know, again, big, big plaudits to Richard Dobson for bringing him through, you know, on the youth and everything. But he's really coming into his own. He was a patient one, but he's, with strikes like that, that's, that's fantastic. If you get a chance to have a look at that on TV, it's well worth the wait. You know, it's a, it's a hell of a strike. And conference leaders Luton thrashed Wrexham 5-0 with two goals from Luke Guttridge and one apiece for Andre Gray, Paul Benson and Jake Howard. John still side are 14 points clear after Cambridge lost. We're confident all over the pitch, but what you must do is channel that confidence into discipline as well. And uh, second half we did that. Everything at the moment is is good, but that's because we're working hard. You know, no one gives us that. You know, we have to work hard to get that. Elsewhere in non-league football, the matches at Bishop Stortford, Hemel Hempstead, and Biggleswade were all postponed. And another bad night for David Moyes and Manchester United as they lost two 0 away to Olympiacos in the first leg of their Champions League last sixteen tie. Tonight, Chelsea are in Turkey to face Galatasaray. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. The next full bulletin is at eight. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, here every weekday uh, between six and nine o'clock. I should just uh, remind you, uh, dear listener, that we uh, have a weekly podcast as well. Comes out, tends to come out on a Friday. Um, around about midday and um, you can download it by going to the 3CR website and clicking on podcasts or if you're on iTunes if you go to the uh, iTunes store and type in Ian Lee I-A-I-N-L-E-E-B-B-C it pops up and you can subscribe to it and if you leave nice comments I send you cash I don't I don't actually do that. This week's is uh, is pretty much done, to be honest. A huge portion of it will comprise of uh, Tina Beloveth Powerful yeah if you missed it yesterday, cracking interview. Many thanks to my colleague Craig Lewis for his help. Um, and, and that will be in the podcast, as will other bits and pieces. And we also record little bonus stuff that you won't have heard as well. 08459 455 555 is the phone number if you want to uh, give us a call now. And that's what Kate and Harpendon has done. Morning, Kate. Good morning. This, How are you? you, you I'm, I'm fine, thank you. You've called in about this black ice that we've, we've had mention of already. 
Yeah, I've just, I'm walking up Westfield Road in Harpenden and a guy's just come off his bike, literally by the bike shop actually, oh. skidded on a big patch of black ice. You just can't see it and I think it's just everywhere today, so just people be really careful. The guy's okay, but he slidded like a load of the way up the road. I think he was quite shocked. Oh, I but, bet um, he was shocked, but he was alright, was he? Yeah, he was alright. He limped off, I mean... He's limping, but we got his bike off the road and yeah. managed to flag down the car so they didn't go skidding into him. Blimey. But yeah, and you can't you can't see this stuff at all. It's 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 just it's not at all. It looks like a, a little bit of wet slick on the road. So just just everyone be really careful. Kate, thanks very much indeed for that. Isn't that nice? You see what nice people we have listening to this show and taking part. Oh eight four five nine. Four double five five double five. It turns out it's a black ice watch this morning. If you've seen any accidents or if you know where there are some dangerous bits, give us a call and uh, let us know. We've been talking uh, about uh, expats voting, that they're being encouraged to vote. We got onto expat pension and then someone... This can't be true, Fred in Luton. Expats get a winter fuel allowance. Yes, well, if it's in the Philippines, they probably need it for... Um, uh, um, Sun, sun well, yeah, you probably would. That's ridiculous, isn't it, that we're sending um, yeah. a, a winter fuel allowance to people in the Philippines and yeah. people in Spain? Right. <laughs> what do you reckon, Fred? Should expats... Um, l- l- two things. Should they be allowed to uh, vote in UK elections? Um, uh, w- well, I'd, I'd, I suppose so, because they still come under our... The, 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 um, the, the, our, not that, uh, just our laws, but yeah. they, 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 our are jurisdiction. Of, they are part of the country they, because they are still receiving their uh, pensions and whatever. Well, I was going to say, that was my next question, Fred. They shouldn't be receiving their pensions. If they've made the decision to go and live abroad, they shouldn't be getting pensions, should they? Well, perhaps this stretch is better out there. Well, you never know. <laughs> Fred, before I let you go, I've got to ask you, we're playing um, Guess the Year. What is the year? What year? Well, we're playing Guess the Year. What was that year? So, Fred, I'll ask you the question. What was that year? 1973. Ooh, Fred. Fred, I can't say too much. The only thing I can say is no. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, a new NSPCC centre is set to help children in Luton as the town is seen as an area of high need. The centre in Adelaide Street offers help to child abuse victims as well as two other projects. Joined now by Colin Peake, the NSPCC's regional head of service and covering Luton. Morning, Colin. Good morning. In some ways, it's great the NSPCC is here. In other ways, it's a little bit concerning. Why why is there a need for an NSPCC centre in Luton? Okay. Um, we, in 2009, the NSPCC sort of rethought. We, we used to have about 200 locations around, around the country, and you might characterise those as in sort of semi-detached houses around the country. We decided that given that we've got the budget of about two local authorities in total to spend, we wanted to focus on 40 areas instead. So we closed most of our um, semi-detached houses down, and we've opened up purpose-built centres in 40 locations. Now, we planned to come to Luton about a year ago, a couple of building hitches, but we've, but we've got there now, so we're absolutely delighted that we've got our service centre there. The reason for choosing Luton is because we looked around the country, 
at areas that have got vibrant but changing populations. They've got areas of significant deprivation, often alongside prosperity. But we're also looking for key factors like well-organized local authorities with good partnership working links, and also lots of opportunities for us to make a meaningful and useful contribution around sexual abuse and neglect. And so Luton ticked a number of those boxes. I wouldn't want listeners to, to sort of panic and think that, that, that Luton is therefore a desperate place. In no sense is it that. Um, what, what we want to do is get to places where we can make a difference, and Luton is one of those. OK, so, so Luton isn't uh, um, viewed as a particularly um, needy place in terms of how children are treated? Well, I think that the thing one has to bear in mind, when we're talking about services to do with abuse, they cut across class and they cut across need. So we, we, deprivation is a key factor because, of course, people that are hard-pressed are, are more likely to face all sorts of difficulties. But sexual abuse particularly is not specific to, to the, that group of people. So no. it's more a centre of population where we can work effectively and um, try out some of the um, innovative approaches that the NSPCC has developed. Well, give us, give us a couple of examples, Colin, of, of, of those uh, innovations. Okay, yes. What, we, what we're doing is, is we're operating at the moment nationally 24 different services that we're really trying to build evidence around to, to make sure that they do make a difference. It's one thing to work hard in an area of, of abuse, whether it's sexual abuse or neglect. It's another to really be certain that you're making a difference. So we've got two services that, services that we're going to be kicking off in, in Luton. One, we call them letting the future in and protect and respect. These are both around sexual abuse in their focus. Letting the future in is a therapeutic service for children who've suffered sexual abuse. And protect and respect is a support and therapeutic service for children and young people who are deemed as being at risk of sexual exploitation. So their behaviour is causing concern or they're, they're, they're telling us that, that they're in some kind of, of, of trouble. So we, we focus on a, um, a, a specific approach to try to support them, make them deal with the past, if, that, if, that's, um, if that's the key issue. And a key, a key factor there, of course, is that in dealing with the past, they understand that it wasn't their fault. And then in terms of protecting and respecting them, trying to diverge teenagers particularly that are, in, that are engaging in risky behaviour to move away from that path. If people want to get involved with the centre in Luton, uh, Colin, for whatever reason, because they may need help or they want to help, w- okay. what's the best way to get in touch? Okay. Well, if they look on our, on our, our website, nspcc.org.uk, then that will give them the information that they need to get in touch. But what we've got to bear in mind is the NSPCC um, spends, um, nine, what, 90p out of every pound that we spend comes from voluntary donations and support from the public. We get a very, very small amount of government grant. So that gives us a, a measure of independence, which is fantastic, but it also makes us very reliant on volunteers and donations. So we're looking for people not only that feel that they want to offer us practical support in our centre, but also those that, that have got a one-off event coming up that they, they're, they're prepared to fundraise for NSPCC for, or indeed get involved in our local fundraising groups. But all information about that is on our website. Colin, I really appreciate your time this morning. Best of luck with uh, the new centre. Colin Peake, head of uh, NSPCC's regional head of service. Um, I just I, I just had... Some people can't... Aren't people, aren't people cruel? Oh, no, what's happened now? Some, with the, the gentleman we had on before Colin there was, was um, doing the gag about um, the expats... The sun lotion. The sun lotion. The expat. Oh, was that a gag? I thought he was serious. So, was, some people are so cruel. Scott on Twitter. 
Oh, Scott. Really? While that com- I've just clicked on Twitter. While that conversation was going on, he's, all, he's, all he's tweeted, spit it out, mate. Oh, well. When he starts ringing in, then he's got room to comment, hasn't he? Keyboard warriors. <laughs> Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three <laughs> Counties Radio. <laughs> Just so, so, so thoroughly unpleasant, and I do. You're, you're right, Catherine. Keyboard warriors. It's so easy to. It's so easy to sit at home, isn't it? You get your. Oh, you're an idiot. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're ugly. Oh, you should go and get a nose job, you Olympic hero. Oh, it's it's easy to do that. What's not so easy is to. Unwind an old Trinitone phone. Trim phone, not Trinitone. I don't know what the make is. It's, it's, it's so easy to... to I get a phone and... Hello? Hello, BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, hang on a minute. It's, I've, it's actually... I've done something here I shouldn't have done. Oh, we've got another one of those anonymous calls. Hang on, right. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's not so easy to... Oh, dear. And another one. I hope you're noting these down. Do I need to dial nine for an outside line? Yeah. Oh, eight, It's not so easy to do this, what I'm about to do now. It's really not easy, is it? What's first... I've gone to first-class travel. That is why we sometimes get orders for taxis. Oh, right, I got it. Apologies if I've not picked you up yet. Right, hang on. So what number do I dial to get through to the station? Oh, 08459. 08459. 455. 555. 555. This gag really has... Um, but you're di- demonstrating just how difficult it is. I've strangled this gag and buried it, but I'm going to run with it. Here he is. OK. Listen. Go on, Louisa, you answer it. Hello, BBC Three Counties. Yeah, I want to phone up and um, complain. Why, why, why are you doing a voice? Okay, I want to phone up and speak to Ian. Oh, what would you like to talk to Ian about? I want to talk about the old boy that was on before the fella from the NSPCC, and I want to say, spit it out, mate. Oh well, um, is there anything else you'd like to say to Ian? Oh yeah, I think I think that um, the girl's uh, fab. All right, you're through. Well, right, put him through. How's this going to work? Feedback. Do you know what feedback's proper name is? The Larson effect. Oh. Yeah, right, so hang on, let's return. Hello? Uh, Talk in the phone, you... Hello? Hello. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah that, that works. works. Right. Turn your mic off. Okay. Hello? Hello, you're through... Hello, let's go to line one. Uh, we've got Ian in the studio. Morning, Ian. Yeah, morning, Ian. What, what do you want to say? Well, you know you had that old boy on who was on before the uh, NSPCC fella. Uh, oh yeah, he was doing the joke, uh, the joke about um, uh, the uh, sun lotion. Thank you, Catherine. All right, the sun lotion. And it was Fred. Oh, was it a joke? Was it? Yeah. Well, what did you want to say about it? Well, what I wanted to say was spit it out, mate. Anything else? Yeah, I think the girls are fab. Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
starting with the speed sensors, the A5 as you approach Redbourne looking really slow past Mark Yates and the A1M southbound also slow going between Junction 9 for Letchworth and 7 for Stevenage. In Chestnut, the A10 southbound slow approaching the M25 junction for Enfield with those delays starting at Turnfold. The A41 in Kings Langley is queuing as you join the M25. Then the M25 itself, slow anti-clockwise between Junction 21 and 16 for the M40. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you so much, Alice. I don't think I'm going to get paid for today's show. I think I'm going to send them an invoice. They go, yeah, OK, the 26th, you weren't really working, so I'm afraid we're going to have to uh, deduct £750 from this invoice. Oh, did I? Oh, I'm sorry, did I? 7.47, it's Wednesday the 26th of February. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. An international campaign has been launched to encourage British citizens living overseas to vote. It's hoped an extra 25,000 expats will vote in the European elections in May. A builder who conned a vulnerable Hertfordshire widow out of half a million pounds is still on the run this morning. John Jenkins from Aylesbury was found guilty in his absence of fraud and sentenced to six years in prison. And in sport, Luton are 14 points clear at the top of the conference after a 5-0 win over Wrexham. And I can exclusively reveal that Justin Dealey hasn't been to a Luton game for ages. He's going to go this Saturday. So say goodbye to their winning streak. Let's get the weather with Kate. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. A beautiful bright blue sky outside, but it is a chilly start to the day. The temperature right the way across, just above zero for most of us, but there is the odd place where it has snuck just below, and uh, we've got a little bit of frost on windscreens, but it won't last for long. The sun is really doing its job today. Plenty of sunshine. We may get one or two isolated showers later, but they will be isolated, few and far between, uh, if at all. Maximum temperature getting up to 10 Celsius. Overnight starting dry and clear, but then the cloud will increase and the wind will pick up that's ahead of our next frontal system arriving and that's bringing some heavy rain through the early hours of tomorrow morning minimum temperature for celsius 39 degrees in fahrenheit that rain will clear eastwards tomorrow morning and leave some sunny spells but some scattered showers maximum temperature for thursday 10 celsius that's 50 degrees in fahrenheit and that's your forecast okay thank you Every weekday morning. The shop didn't want to give me them back, so I went to the shop, paid them a fee to get my cylinders back. The JVS Show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. I went to speak to this company and I asked them what had happened. It took me absolutely ages to get through to anyone. If you need our help, email jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. After I left discussion about my cylinders, the, the governing body showed up at my house on the following day. And we could do the same for you. Thanks, Denise. And for the company for getting her cooker back up and running, here's your horn. The JVS Show, weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the uh, telephone number if you want to uh, give us a call. I've just been sent some uh, texts. Let me get the uh, texts. Uh, expats use their winter fuel allowance to run their aircon in the too hot summer, says Leslie in Watford. And uh, talking about lunch breaks, there's a story. Where, which was it? Is it the Express or the Mail? Both really vying for newspaper of the uh, year at the moment with their excellent, excellent reportage. By the way, on page three of the Express, there's a brilliant picture. I love this picture. It's of a giraffe. Or is it? No, it's not. It's of a lady pretending to be a giraffe. And then when you look at her, 
Beth, talented Beth, 20. Beth Sykes. Well, I think the makeup artist is the most talented. The makeup artist did a great job, right? She basically, um, her right leg is the giraffe's uh, long neck. They've got long necks, giraffes. Uh, and her head is, it's, I don't know what her. Anyway, she's posed in the position of a giraffe. The makeup artist has done a great job because without she's being. She's doing a crab with a leg in the air. Without being rude to Beth, I mean, on the face of it, you know, not a lot. But on, on what? The, sorry? In the face of it, what? No, not a lot. But on the face of the giraffe, wonderful. Wonderful. So, as a, what you're saying, as a gymnast, not great. As a giraffe, she's amazing. I'm saying as a woman. Oh, really? Poor Beth. Well, you say poor Beth. She's done brilliantly, Beth. Well done. Um, you've really made the best of what you've got. And <gasps> she says here, talented Beth 20 hopes to recreate a whole range of animals. Why would you do that? Is she painting herself? Because that's the talent. <laughs> There's no way she's painting there. At first glance, it's a giraffe, but look closer. In fact, this amazing picture shows the body of a young gymnast contorting her lithe figure into the shape of the long-necked animal. Oh, thanks for clarifying what a giraffe is. It's a long-necked animal, is it? Beth Sykes is the loose-limbed model behind the phenomenal double-take photograph she created with her friend, talented body painter, Emma Fay. She's the talent. She is the... Uh, uh, we just thought it'd be cool to paint me as a giraffe. It was a spur of the moment thing. No, it no, wasn't. No, it took ages. What that, are you talking about? That, that is not spur of the moment. I do face paints for parties. It takes ages just to do a face, never mind the whole shebang and the nooks and crannies. She's a contortionist. I do like the women and the men, although I prefer it when it's the women, because the men are... are we, I used to run a variety night in London, and we get contortionists in, right, from time to time. I like it when they put themselves in little glass boxes... I like that. I do like that. Um, well, I enjoy that, yes. I, I like that. For about two minutes, after a while, it's a bit dull, isn't it? No. Oh. See someone squashed up? No, no, it's not. It's... What do they do when they're in there? They wait like that. <laughs> <laughs> I find it really weird when the men do that thing where they put their legs over their shoulders and walk around on their hands. Can your girls still um, uh, chew their own toenails? Yeah, so can I. I think I've never tried it. That's, um, come on, guys. Yeah? OK, let's have a little look. She's doing it. She shoved her foot in her mouth. I can't even. I don't get... bite my toenails, though. My little girls do. Isn't that disgusting? It is. Dis- Louisa, can you? Uh, uh, you don't have to. I don't. You know. But uh, can you get your your foot anywhere near your mouth? I'm trying, and I'm. I've got. There's about. But she can. She's doing it. Oh my god. Girls are weird. I think it's the um, obvious bits. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I think it's those obvious bits. Did we find Justin in the end, or is he... He's He's trying to get his foot in his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) He's... he's, uh, Hang on a second, here we go. He does that pretty much every morning himself. Guys? Oh, puts his foot in his mouth. Yeah, Yeah, guys. Okay, so I've got to fill for the next seven minutes. Lunch breaks, that's what I was going to talk about. That's what I was going to talk about. Lunch breaks, which is which is in the uh, express. It's below the picture of the giraffe lady. Giraffe, of course, being a long-necked animal. Lunch hour lasts 34 minutes. Workers take an average of just 34 and a half minutes over lunch, a study reveals. I would suggest if you're getting 34 and a half minutes of lunch, you're kind of doing all right with yourself, aren't you? Around 72% of employees claim they are too busy to take the traditional hour. Well, others blame pressure to perform. When I had a proper job at B-Jams, and you would, have, you, would, you would have an hour's lunch, occasionally you were offered the chance to work through lunch and go home an hour early. And I would always, that would always be my preferred option. I would always rather go home early. 
work through lunch, go home early. Because the, the, the lunch, you're sat there for an hour. How long does eating take? Three and a half minutes? You've got 56 and a half minutes of sitting with middle-aged women. <laughs> you have three hours every morning. What are you moaning about? Not that I'm middle-aged. But we're not stuck in the... I'm in my late 20s. <laughs> you're, you're approaching 40. I am not. How old are you? 36? Yes. Best days are behind you, my love. The best... Really? Look at, look really? At, look at Louisa. That's true. What is the point? Louisa, young, vibrant, energetic, full of life, full of vim, full of vigour. I don't know what vim is, but I think... She's full of it. I think she's full of it. That's the rumour going around town anyway. And, and then, I comp- <laughs> then I compare Louisa to you, haggard, tired, battle-worn, beaten, bruised. I prefer to think of myself as strong... Brave, experienced, and interesting. Old, old. You've described oh. old. You've described old. And Louise is nodding. You didn't see that, but I thought I'd flag that up. <laughs> She's nodding. But what I'm saying is, given the chance at B jams, I would turn down my lunch hour and go home an hour early. Yeah. Was that just because it was B jams? I know. I like B jams. It was good. We uh, had blue overalls. It was good. I, I did enjoy B jams. There's some good times. Anyway, um, a quarter of those questions said they were based out of town. There was nowhere to go. One in five took their own lunch. Lunch. So there was no. The traditional lunch break, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, is is no longer a tradition. It doesn't really happen. The lunch hour. You used to get in factories, didn't you? The the lunch bell would go at twelve, and everybody would down tools, go out for an hour, and come back. Like in Trumpton. Exactly like in Trumpton. Everyone would come out and have a dance at the end of work. Is the kettle broken? Do you want to try? You, can you try and see if the kettle's broken? Now who's old? That's the thing my gra- my my uh, father-in-law says to me when he comes round. Well, well, do you sad news? I said, what's the matter? He says, oh, your kettle is your kettle broken? Yeah. Well, is oh, it? Maybe we should. Let's let's try it and just just see. Fill it up with water. Um, I'll have if it does boil. If you want to waste that water? That would be bad for the environment. I'll have a cough. You see what you've you made Louisa do now, Catherine? You've made, you've made her, full of young vibrancy, get up and make a coffee. She's better than that. You're not. Go on, swap. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> Sorry? You are asking for it today. Oh, wait. Really mo- Kelly's not here. <laughs> she scares me. She should. She scares me. You, not so much. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. I'm, I'm keen to hear about your lunch breaks. Do you take them? Do you have them? Mine? I don't get one. Though. No, not yours. Oh. The, the listener. I'm talking to the listener now. Your, Come on then. Shh. Okay. Your lunch breaks, dear listener. Do you have one? Do you still get one? Do you make a point of having them? I guess if you're, if you're in a union, does that make a difference? It seems like a very old-fashioned union thing. Nowadays, most people in offices, most people here... The best they'll do is they'll have firm some sandwiches or someone will pop out to Marx's or, or, or something like that. They'll bring some sandwiches in, maybe a Costa, if they're feeling flush, and they'll sit at their desk and they'll eat their lunch there while they're working. The thought of actually going out for an hour for lunch or, or taking your packed lunch and going to the lunchroom, the staff room, the thought of doing that, that's from an old-fashioned world, isn't it? That world doesn't exist anymore. Your lunch stories, please. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can also, and this uh, applies for other bits and pieces, send me an email. My email address is ian.lee, I-A-I-N. Get the extra I in, otherwise it don't work. Leslie in Watford says, can I have a cough, please? 
Uh, does she have... Uh, how's she taking it? How are you taking it, Leslie? Text back. OK. 81333. Uh, uk uh, is uh, the email address if you want to get in. And guess the year. Oh, and we're playing Guess the Year, yeah. of course. Of yeah, course, we've, we've had, had wrong answers, haven't we've we? We've had 1964, 1963, 1974 and 1982. They are all wrong. Can you guess the year? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M25 anti-clockwise, slow going between Junction 21 for the M1 and 16 for the M40. In Uxbridge on the A40, there are queues London bound between the Denham roundabout and Gypsy Corner. The A1M southbound slow going between Junction 9 for Letchworth and 7 for Stevenage. And on the speed sensors in Hitchin, the A505 looking very slow as you head towards the centre of town. The A5 still really struggling past Mark Yate as you approach Redbourne. And on public transport, there's no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you for... Alice, do you take a lunch break? Um, no, but I only work in the mornings. Oh, so does that does that kind of screw up your um your, your eating throughout the rest of the day? Because me doing mornings, I, my meals are all over the shop. Kind of, yeah. I just shift everything earlier. <laughs> oh, you see, your sense, well, Alice. Thank you very much indeed. Lots to talk about, and also expats voting abroad, the winter fuel allowance. And also getting their pensions abroad. I'm not sure any of that should be allowed. What do you think? Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's eight o'clock, I'm Simon Oxley. The headlines, expats urged to vote, Buckinghamshire Builder on the run and Luton Town closing in on promotion. BBC Three Counties Radio. An international campaign has been launched to encourage British citizens living overseas to vote. It's hoped an extra 25,000 expats will vote in the European elections in May. The Labour MEP for this region, Richard Howitt, told this programme he was backing the scheme. In most countries, there's a lot of expatriate voting. It's the norm in many countries. They have their own constituents. In France, for example, there are specific MPs in their parliament who represent overseas territories and we're we're one of only five countries out of the 28 in Europe that are deemed not to be being fair to our expatriate voters. A builder who conned a vulnerable Hertfordshire widow out of half a million pounds is still on the run this morning. John Jenkins from Aylesbury failed to turn up for the last day of his trial at St Albans Crown Court. The 70 old was found guilty in his absence of fraud and sentenced to six years in prison. It's thought he may have fled abroad. A charity which helps victims, child victims of sex abuse is reassuring residents in Luton after opening a new centre in the town. The NSPCC site has just opened in Adelaide Street. Colin Peake is from the charity. I wouldn't want listeners to, to sort of panic and think that, that, that Luton is therefore a desperate place. In no sense is it that. The reason for choosing Luton is because we looked around the country at areas that that have got vibrant but changing populations. They've got areas of significant deprivation, often alongside prosperity. But we're also looking for key factors like well-organised local authorities with good partnership working links. BBC News understands that the co-op group is expected to announce a loss of more than £2 billion next month. The co-op is thought to be planning to sell its farming operation, which includes 15 farms, and considering the sale of its 750 pharmacies. A Luton councillor under
under investigation by the police has been dropped by Labour as a candidate for the upcoming European elections. Nassim Ayoub, an executive member of the council, was suspended by the party last month after comments she allegedly made on the internet. The energy regulator Ofgem has announced a series of measures which it says will break down barriers to competition and make the market work better for consumers. The big six energy firms will face closer scrutiny of their finances and are being warned to trade fairly with independent suppliers or face financial penalties. In sport, in last night's football, Stevenage beat Crewe 1-0, MK Dons won 2-1 at Oldham, Wickham won 1-0 at Exeter and John Stills Luton are 14 points clear at the top of the conference after beating Wrexham 5-0. One touch stuff from Luton and Guthridge is in again! What a goal from the Hatters! Some of the football at Kenilworth Road! It's just a joy to watch! We're doing very well but you know we haven't won anything yet and it's really important we all recognise that you know I recognise it we played all right today but I don't think we was great in the first half I know we're four new up but I thought we were better in the second half myself The weather mainly dry with sunny spells after a chilly start with isolated showers moving in from the west a maximum temperature 10 degrees Celsius and you can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties BBC Three Counties Radio. Busy morning this morning on the phones. Thank you for all of your phone calls. Lots to talk about. Yeah, apart, apart from the rude ones, you're right, yeah. Even those, come on guys, give us a hug. Expats, should they get the vote? They live abroad. Why should they have a say on how the country is run? Incredible story of a, a cowardly con man fleeced a, a, a woman with issues out of half a million pounds. He's done a runner. When was the last time you actually had a lunch break? It doesn't exist anymore, does it? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give us a call, 08459 Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC also playing Guest of the Year this morning. Catherine, you was, uh, whispered in my way what Guest of the Year text. We don't really take text on this. I prefer phone calls, but yeah. go on, just this once. Phil says, Guest of the Year, can I have 356 BC, please? <laughs> I see what you've done there, Phil. Of course not. Miles out. Miles out. If you want to give us a call, play the Guest of the Year. 08459 555. A little bit of fun uh, that we like to do here every Wednesday. Now, in the run-up to past elections, national treasures like Jim Davidson, uh, Paul Daniels and Phil Collins have all threatened to leave the country if the wrong party got in. Sadly, only two of those were true to their word, but it turns out they'll still be able to vote from their self-imposed luxury exile. The Electoral Commission is hoping to get an extra 25,000 people to vote in May's European parliamentary elections. Well, Justin Dealey has been asking people in Harpenden whether expats should have the right to vote. That's right, isn't it, Justin? Yeah, morning, boss. Don't you dare knock Phil Collins. I was listening to his greatest hits last night. Fabulous album. But um, as you mentioned... When I've you been... were listening to his, yes. his, uh, uh, his greatest, greatest hits, hits, yes. yes. Did, was, a, did, was a jacket required? Uh, no jacket required. Oh, wow. That that's, no. that's great. That's a relaxed, yes. a relaxed, informal atmosphere. <laughs> Absolutely. But um, I have been in Harpenden, and I think this is a really, really interesting discussion. It's certainly got a mixed reaction. Here's what people had to say about, about whether expats deserve the right to have a say about what happens here. I think it rather depends how long they're going to be expats for. If they're out there for three years, then yes. If they're out there long term, then probably no, because they don't have any role to play in 
the British um, economy or British politics. I would think so, yes, because uh, you're born and bred here and uh, you want to stick up for the country where you're born. Even though you've you've left the country, technically abandoned the country for, for whatever reason. Yeah, but you've gone to another country to uh, better yourself, better your life, but uh, all honestly, uh, born and bred up here and you should be supporting this country that you were born and bred in. The thing is, though, they're not supporting the country by leaving in the first place, are they? You can't have it both ways. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I don't think so. Yeah, you've cut your ties and, and that's it, you know. Probably, but I'm for a limited period. I'm not sure for how long. Similarly, I think that only people who have citizenship should vote here. Uh, so if, it's, if they move away for 20, 30 years, not sure. But good question. Justin, thank you for... Can I speak to you before nine o'clock about uh, the Luton Town Football Club, Just? Yeah, of course you can. OK, well, I'll speak to you a little bit later on. Thank you very much for that. Excellent stuff there from Justin Dealey. Well, in a moment, we'll get the thoughts of a representative of the political party UKIP. But first of all, let's talk to Rosemary Davenport, who's from the Electoral Commission. Good morning, Rosemary. Good morning. Why is it important for expats to vote? Um, well, I'd, I'd just like to clarify, on our campaign, we're actually encouraging people to register to vote. Ah, so, okay. um um, obviously, it's for parties and politicians to um, inspire people to actually cast those votes. Um, so our campaign today is encouraging people to um, register by the deadline, 6th of May. So if you're a UK expat and you've been out of the country for um, 15 years or less, so you've been registered to vote in the UK within the last 15 years, you are eligible to vote in the upcoming European elections. So we really want people to go to aboutmyvote.co.uk forward slash overseas and um, make sure they're on the electoral register for that. Why Why should they have a say in a country they don't live in anymore? Well, that's really a matter for government. Obviously, um, it's government that comes up with the legislation that allows people to um, to register to vote and comes decides, you know, which franchise is used, so who can vote in particular elections. Um, our role, the, the Electoral Commission, we're an impartial organisation. We want to make sure that people have access and they are able to vote um, if they are eligible. So that's what our campaign's all about. How, how do you notify everybody? Um, so we're running um, a predominantly online campaign, so that's focused at countries um, with the largest numbers of British expats in them. Um, obviously, it's quite a difficult thing for, for us to target because there are so many out there and the research is um, it's difficult to do. It's difficult to find out how many expats there are actually living overseas. Um, so we're using this online campaign, so advertising on Facebook, on um, websites that we know are commonly used by British expats. But then obviously we're relying on people um, here as well. Many of your listeners will have friends and family living overseas, so we want them to spread the word as well. And do you think people will really be bothered to, to A, spread the word, and B, vote from abroad? There's a, a great apathy when it comes to voting from people in, who are based in this country already. Why would people living abroad feel the need? Well, I think, um, and especially with our conversations with different um, expat networks as well and people living overseas, um, they've said many people are actually really surprised that they can vote. Um, so, I mean, I know with um, conversations that I've had with my own expat friends, um, they've said, oh, I didn't know I was allowed to vote in the European elections. So I think actually that element of surprise might prompt people to visit our um, website, which I'll say again is aboutmyvote.co.uk forward slash overseas. They can find out more information and then it's, you know, for them to decide whether they want to actually cast a vote in the elections. Rosemary, thank you very much. Rosemary Davenport from the Electoral 
Commission. Joined now by Susan Evan, uh, Evans from the UK Independence Party. Morning, Suzanne. Good morning. What do you think about the idea? Do you like it? Well, I think, I think first of all, I'd like to say that I think the Electoral Commission should, first of all, be focusing on something like the eight and a half million people in this country who aren't registered to vote, because clearly people in this country have a, have a much greater connection with the country, and those are the people it should be focusing on first, I think. But it's interesting, listening to your Vox Pop earlier, I think most people seem to be in favour of the status quo, which is that if you leave the country, you can still vote for a period of up to 15 years. And I think that sounds about right. I don't really see any need to change the current status quo. And, of course, it's the EU commissioners that are trying to say, this is unfair, this is against people's human rights. If you are out of the country for whatever period of time, you should be entitled to vote. I really think the 15-year rule we have already is more than generous. And if I you've been out of the country for more than 15 years, I would suggest even, even short, uh, shorter than that, but 15 years is the rule. That's right. You've kind of severed your ties to a certain extent or, or, or severed your right to have a say in the country, haven't you? I think so, yes. And in, interestingly, even the European Court of Human Rights thinks this too, because there was a test case recent, recently, and it ruled that just because you had perhaps a bank account in Britain, perhaps you had a British pension, perhaps you had a property in Britain, that still didn't mean you had a strong enough connection with the country to vote. I found out today, and I wasn't aware this was the case, that if you are an expat, you still get a winter fuel allowance, even if you're living in Spain or the Philippines. Yes, even when you probably don't need it because it's probably lovely and warm. That doesn't seem fair, does it? Would, would UKIP change something like that? It might well be something that we'd look at, yes. But one of the other interesting things I think that I'd like to pick on that Rosemary said was she said that this whole issue about whether or not expats can vote is a matter for government. And this is the problem, Ian. It's looking as though it's not a matter for government because last week we had Vivian Redding. Now, she's the, the Justice Commissioner for the European Commission and she was in Britain and she was the one that was pushing this idea that it's unfair for expats to have a cut-off point after that. 15 years. Now, who is Vivian Redding? She's a, a militant Europhile who wants a US-style government. So she wants an overarching EU commission and a sort of lower house, if you like, made up of, uh, of uh, member states. So that would actually give MEPs more power than our own MPs here in Westminster. So I really question the whole reason about why she's pushing this agenda. She's not somebody that wants to stand up for Britain as a sovereign state. Um, she's someone that, that wants to give the EU even more power to take away Britain's sovereign right. And why is she pushing for, for, for expats to have votes? Because she thinks that people who benefit from the freedom of movement within the EU are more likely to vote for uh, uh, pro-European parties and i.e. not UKIP. This, is, this, is, this has been around for decades. This issue would not even be coming up, ah. I don't think, were it not for the rise of UKIP. Do you think, Asa, do you think that this, this campaign is uh, primarily an attack on UKIP and an attempt to, to dampen down the uh, support for you? I think it's certainly uh, an attempt to uh, awaken as far as possible pro-EU feelings across the continent. Um, and as I say, I don't think if it wasn't for the fact that UKIP's doing so incredibly well that it would be even on the table. Suzanne, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Suzanne Evans, UK Independence Party's community spokesperson. What do you think? Ex- expats voting abroad. I can't, 15 years is the cut-off point. If you've lived abroad for up to 15 years, you are allowed to vote in British elections. Why? Why? I would say the cut-off point would be three years. Because three years or more is a huge commitment to another country. Register to vote in that country if you want to have a say. Don't still vote in your local council and your general elections and your European elections. That's a really good point. 
an unusually good point for you. Sorry? Well, you know, we always hear people saying, if you come to live in this country, you should throw your lot in with this country. And yep. they get fed up, you know, we get p- people who were British nationals getting fed up with people coming over and still having ties to their old yep. other countries after yep. years and years. We're doing the same thing. Yeah. Well, it, exactly. I'm surprised because now you're saying something sensible. What's, exactly. We're what? having a sensible off. It is. When people come over here, you get um, your Polish and your Romanians and your Indian. Oh, yeah, they're not integrated into British. They're, no, they still consider themselves to be uh, Pakistani. He said, hey, are you Brit- which football team are you going to support? Poland or England? Oh, Pol- oh, you're Polish. They're still sending money back to their families they're over there. They're still sending money back to their families over there. That's what we say about, in inverted commas, them. And yet we're still doing the same thing. And we're kind of patting the Brits on the back for doing the same thing. If you're going to go and live in a foreign country, I don't know how you go about doing it. Register to vote there. Don't, don't still vote in who runs your council, who runs the council you used to live in, and who's going to be the MP for the, the area you used to live in. Seems crazy. I'm getting angry about it now. I've woken up. Seems crazy to me. 08459 455 555. Derek Moore says Scottish expats don't have the right to vote in their referendum. Give us a call. 08459 455 555. Expats, they shouldn't have the right to vote if they've been in the country for three or more years. They shouldn't get their state pension. And they certainly shouldn't get their winter fuel allowance. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. And bound slow going between High Wycombe, Handy Cross, and Maidenhead. And then the M1 northbound also got delays there between Junction 12 for Flittick and 13 for Milton Keynes. Onto the M25 anti clockwise, slow going between Junction 21 for the M1 and 16 for the M40. And in Uxbridge, there are still queues on the A40 London bound between the Denham roundabout and Gypsy Corner. Up in Roxton, the A1 southbound queuing at the Black Cat roundabout at the moment with delays going back to St Neots on the speed sensors. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Alice. Coming up to 8.16, it's uh, Wednesday, the 26th of February. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. An international campaign has been launched to encourage British citizens living overseas to vote. It's hoped an extra 25,000 expats will vote in the European elections in May. A builder who conned a vulnerable Hertfordshire widow out of half a million pounds is still on the run this morning. John Jenkins from Aylesbury was found guilty in his absence of fraud and sentenced to six years in prison. And in sport, Luton are 14 points clear at the top of the conference after a 5-0 win over Wrexham. We'll speak to Justin Dealey, Luton Town Football Club supporter, a little bit later on. The weather today, a chilly start with isolated showers turning mainly dry with sunny spells during the afternoon. Maximum temperature is 10 degrees. BBC Three Counties Radio. Three Counties Radio Big Tour of Beds, Hearts and Bucks is coming back. This is BBC Three Counties Radio live in Leighton Buzzard. We're in the library. Come and say hello. Back to where you live. I think it's a fabulous old town. It's got heart. It's got character. The Big Tour of Beds, Hearts and Bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. Someone's tweeting me, Michelle, talking about lunch breaks. She's just reminding me of something. 
She gets two 15-minute tea breaks and an hour for lunch every day. Get in, she says. I forgot about the tea breaks. Your two 15-minute tea breaks. Oh, it's a legal entitlement. I'm supposed to be getting that. Do let us know your, uh, your lunch break situation scenarios. Now, on August the 4th, 1914, Britain declared war on Germany. This year we'll see many commemorations to mark the centenary of the First World War. As part of that, the BBC, in partnership with the Imperial War Museums, has launched a project called World War One at Home, looking at how our towns, cities and individuals played their part in the war effort. Well, many of our stately homes got involved too. At Waddesdon Manor in Back- uh, Buckinghamshire, Alice de Rothschild dug up her flower gardens and grew fruit and vegetables instead. Well, uh, our reporter Tara Gungafal has looked at her decisions and feelings during the war, which are all catalogued in a series of letters that she wrote to her head gardener. Right then, chaps, what we got? We got some uh, hyacinth bulbs that we need to uh, need to cut up. We do about two hundred. Yeah, that would be absolutely. Miss Alice de Rothschild was in charge of Wadston Manor at the time of the First World War, and she turned her beloved flower gardens over to produce of potatoes and other market garden vegetables so that that could then be contributed to the war effort. Catherine Taylor is the head archivist at the Wadston Archive. We know some of the detail of this because of a series of fabulous letters she wrote to her head gardener, George Frederick Johnson, throughout the period of the war. November the 3rd, 1914. Johnson, what you say is only too true... Things look very black to me. March the 6th, 1916. How will you manage when your men leave you? Can you find some to replace a few of them? What terrible times we are living in. That's it, these palms, they've done really well for the summer, but what we need... I'm Paul Farnell, I'm the head gardener at Worcester Manor. We should take them down to the uh, grass houses at the bottom of the hill there. Uh, I think the role that uh, Johnson would have had during uh, the First World War would have been very taxing indeed. Most of his staff would have disappeared off to go to the trenches and he would still be expected to uh, produce uh, food for the table and, and, and keep the garden in some semblance of, of order. There's this sort of uh, standard called the Walston Standard that we're always trying, striving to, uh, to reach, which is everything's perfect, not a leaf out of place. Saturday morning, February the 16th, 1918. Johnson, yes, grow as much food as possible. By 1918, the, particularly by the end of that winter in 1918, supplies were running short. Do not let people imagine that we waste labour on useless luxuries. Grow your tomatoes well in sight. Many people will be glad of them. Grow, too, a lot of good potatoes. And perhaps you might grow Dutch brown beans, as Gibbs has done. They make good puree. I think growing potatoes on the parterre would have been very, very difficult indeed. And what sort of crop they actually got remains to be seen. But I think it was more of a, a statement that, you know, we can't do an awful lot, but if we can show... At Wadston, if we can be seen to be trying to do something for the war effort, then everybody else should be able to do that. Tuesday, 8am, December the 10th. Johnson, save the good plants and the stock plants if you can. We shall cultivate vegetables and not bother about flower beds. Poor Gibbs. We shall both miss him very much. He was such a personality. I cannot replace him. Peace has come. But the unrest in the world is terrible. Poor Austria. She did not deserve such a hard fate. Yours truly, Alistair Rothschild. Excellent work, Tara, on compiling all of uh, the stuff you'll be hearing this week. If you want to find out more about our local stories from World War One at home, then click on BBC W. 
but no, hang on a second. Let me let me try and say that correctly in English. BBC.co.uk slash WW1, as in number one. And tomorrow, we'll be hearing what the scouts in St Albans got up to during the war. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. So, expats. Should they uh, get the vote? Should they get their pension? Should they get their winter fuel allowance? I say no to all of those things. Uh, Brigitte. Brigitte from Bedford. Can you let me know? Is it Brigitte or is it Bridget? I'm saying Brigitte because there's no duh in there. No duh for donkey. There's no D in your name. So I'm going for the Brigitte, the kind of uh, the slightly harsher um, duck version. Am I correct in doing so? No. Expats don't live here, so shouldn't have a say on how our country is run, and though they must certainly should not receive winter fuel allowance. They can't have the perks of weather abroad and receive winter fuel payment. What an absolute drain on our already limited funds. I would suggest that prisoners in this country have more right to the vote than people who live abroad. They live in this country, they're affected by this country, they're affected by the rules. I say, if, we, if we're going to give let expats have the votes, then let's give the votes to prisoners. And Nick in Huntingdon has uh, texted him, Ian, countries are just arbitrary devised borders created throughout history, so it doesn't really make any difference whether an expat or patriot has the right to vote. Regardless of where one lives, voting is a pointless exercise anyway, unless there's a clear political choice between the parties. I mean, seriously, countries are just arbitrary devised borders created... Doesn't respect the borders. You've got to respect the borders, Nick. Respect the borders. They are countries. You can't, you can't disrespect dis borders. Also, it's the best system we've got at the moment, Nick. Yeah, what do you want? Do you, do you just want us all floating around with, with balloons tied to our heads so that we just float wherever we want? We've got herons on our back carrying us. Oh, I fancy going to what used to be called France and now is just called... Well, what does he want? Kind of ran out of steam with where What do you was, want, Nick? What do you want, Nick? Nick, what do you want? Tell us, please. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Now a story we've been talking about all morning. Just incredible, really. An Aylesbury builder who conned a vulnerable woman out of half a million pounds is still on the run this morning. 70-year-old John Jenkins failed to turn up for the last day of his trial and uh, was yesterday sentenced to six years in his absence. It's thought he may have skipped the country. Well, Professor Susan Edwards is a professor of law at the University of Buckingham as well as a criminal law expert and barrister. Joins me now. Morning, Susan. Yes, good morning, Ian. Why do some defendants go on the run? Is is it the, the pressure? Is it fear? Is it to escape justice? Well, it's difficult to say in this case. I mean, certainly uh, he did contact his solicitor at some point, and that's been reported, and was in a distressed state. So I don't know whether he has himself mental health conditions. But, you know, clearly it does raise a number of issues, and one has to ask uh, whether the uh, prosecution applied uh, for... reminding him in custody uh if they, they obviously uh you know he was not uh, and why the prosecution perhaps didn't ask for particular bail conditions they, they may have done and they may have been refused and those conditions clearly would have been a, a high surety particularly with the man who'd already defrauded uh this woman of half a million pounds uh and also the surrender of of, of his passport which would ensure that at least he would stay in the country uh, he has gone on the run we don't know where he is he could be in the uk he could be in spain he could be in the us uh we, we simply don't know so but of course 
you know, there's, there's a lot of benefit of hindsight, what could and could have not be done. In terms of bail, one would have asked about, you know, what was the risk of this man absconding? Obviously, it was thought that the risk was, was low. Well, clearly, it's not turned out to How be the common case. is it, Susan, for the court to demand uh, someone's passport? Um, well, it's, it's, uh, it's, I wouldn't say it was necessarily routine, but it's not, it's certainly not uncommon to ask for somebody's passport if they're considered to be, uh, to be a risk. Um, but, you know, now we've got to think, what, what can we do? He, he's on the run, and so what, in fact, should we b- be doing? And I think, you know, obviously there's a warrant issued for his arrest, the police will have been notified, and of course there, there will be a, an issue of whether we should be thinking now, uh, has he gone abroad, and if so, what are the extradition agreements and the European arrest warrant that we can now be thinking of, that lawyers will now be thinking of, um, in terms of if he has, if he has left the country. Uh, again, uh, that's speculation, but one's got to sort of be uh, a step ahead. Susan, you know that thing they do when they, they um, put a warning at ports and airports that someone mustn't leave the country? Well, of, course. How do, of course. How do they do that? Do they, do they um, put a block on their passport or do they of send course. like a picture they have on the wall? As they go passport, through passport right. control, of course there's an alert. But now, the, probably the problem in this case is that uh, he had the weekend, so... Um, He's probably gone. Know, by the time there was an alert, um, it, it may well have been that he's left the country. Again, this is speculation, and, and we don't know. But, but certainly, you know, we, we do need to think more generally about the um, U- UK border agency and the manpower and resources that they have to check people out of the country. And may I say, check people coming in. It was only two weeks ago that Judge Bray at Northampton Court um, had said that the UK border agency, border controls were, were like a sieve because he had to hear uh, for the third time a man who'd come, been deported three times out of the country and managed to come back on each occasion and commit a crime. Um, and, and therefore, both ways, um, I think, you know, there is a problem with the border agency and border controls. But, you know, this man, John Jenkins, may not have left the country. And indeed, one has to, you asked at the beginning uh, of the interview, what kind of man? And it may well be, you know, that this 70-year-old man himself has mental health issues and really simply couldn't cope with hearing what was going to be the, the verdict, which was uh, he was convicted and he's got six years. And of course, when he is arrested, or if he surrenders himself to a local police station, which is what he should really do now, and, and also uh, contact his solicitor, um, you know, he will also be facing an additional prison sentence for the breach of, of, of bail. Um, and what could that sentence be, possibly? Well, uh, th- that, that is likely to be, uh, it could be a prison sentence. I mean, that is very likely to be an additional prison sentence to the six years that he's already, already got. Uh, but that'll be a, a matter, you know, obviously a matter for the courts. And th- then there's the question, of course, of the, the point five of a million, or I should say half a million, half a million pounds that he's defrauded this, this very vulnerable uh, lady and very generous lady who seems still to be saying, um, you know, that she doesn't think he's, he's he's that terrible of a man. So she has some compassion. Um, you know, this the question of can any of this money, half a million pounds, be recovered? Well, as we understand it, he spent most of it. And of course, this is another general problem: the whole question of proceeds of crime, asset recovery, and you know, if we were to look at the broader picture on that. Um, 
about 2% of ill-gotten gains. This is across the board of all kinds of crimes where, where there is uh, money involved are ever recovered because people like Jenkins spend the money mm. um, on holidays, on cars, on luxury items. And when you come to it, there are no realizable assets left to recover. It's spent. So, you know, it, it does really bode not very well for the whole question of, ju- of justice. Susan, we have to end it there, just as a matter of time. I could, I could sit and listen to you all morning. What a, what a fascinating speaker. I want to come to one of Susan's lectures, please. It's Professor Susan Edwards, Professor of Law at the University of Buckingham. It's 8.30. Let's get the travel with Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. We've had an update in from Wallace, who's in Bedford. The A421 is blocked southbound between Bedford and the M1 Junction 13. Uh, That's after an accident. And then the A5 southbound on the speed sensors, slow going between the Kensworth turnoff and Redbourne. In Mill Hill, the A41, we've got reports one lane is blocked at the apex corner on the roundabout after a lorry's overturned, but traffic does seem to be coping well on the speed sensors. The M40 Londonbound struggling, though, still between the High Wycombe Handycross and Maidenhead. The M25 anti-clockwise slow going between Junction 21 for the M1 and 16 for the M40. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. With the headlines, I'm Simon Oxley. A charity which helps child victims of sex abuse is reassuring residents in Luton after opening a new centre in the town. The NSPCC site has just opened in Adelaide Street. A builder who conned a vulnerable Harfordshire widow out of half a million pounds is still on the run this morning. John Jenkins from Aylesbury failed to turn up for the last day of his trial at St Albans Crown Court. And an international campaign has been launched to encourage British citizens living overseas to vote. It's hoped an extra 25,000 expats will vote in the European elections in May. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Wins for Stevenage, MK Dons, Wickham and Luton last night. Stevenage showed they're ready to fight against relegation with a 1-0 win over Crewe, courtesy of Francois Zoko's early goal. Here's manager Graham Westley. We got the early goal and uh, although we tried to encourage the lads to keep the ball and develop our game, you could see that they were just determined to keep that clean sheet and that's about all we did was just dig in, fight hard, run for our lives, put our bodies on the line and uh, we ground out a determined, if very ugly, 1-0 win. Also in League One, MK Dons won 2-1 at Oldham with goals from George Bulldog and Isle McLeod delighting manager Carl Robinson. I thought we tactically got it right when we were under pressure. It's difficult making change when you're 2-1 up and just conceded. I'm thrilled with that. I'm absolutely ecstatic to come here. <laughs> you're not Tuesday night? Oh, our stats would have told you we would have lost here today, so I'm over the moon with them. In League 2, Max Kretschmar's goal eased Wickham's relegation fears with a 1-0 win at Exeter. Here's their manager, Gareth Ainsworth. They're dead on their feet. They have given me absolutely everything tonight and I couldn't be prouder than the team. They're just everything. It's fantastic. You know, I'm, and I'm sure when we get on the bus and that, there'll be a, a bit of banter. We've got a three-hour journey on, but it's nice to have a win. And uh, what a fantastic goal to win again. And conference leaders Luton thrashed Wrexham 5-0 with two goals from Luke Guttridge, one apiece for Andre Gray, Paul Benson and Jake Howells. John still side a 14 points clear after Cambridge lost, but he's not concerned with that. That's my job. You know, my job is to make sure that, that people concentrate on things that are important, concentrate not just on the fact that they've won a game, but how they've won it and 
what we could do better. You know, we've done that and we'll do some more work on Thursday and look forward to Saturday. And another bad night for David Moyes and Manchester United as they lost 2-0 away to Olympiacos in the first leg of their Champions League last 16 tie. The worst we've played in Europe, that's for sure. A really poor performance tonight. We never really get going from the start. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't deserve in because of the way we played tonight. Tonight, Chelsea are in Turkey to face Galatasaray. BBC Three Counties News and Sports. The next full bulletin is at nine. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. JVS. That's quite a good note, wasn't it? That was very good. Do you mind if we just got a quick phone call from Albert? Do you mind if we take this? No, no. Is it a good run? I don't know. Albert? Good morning. Good morning. You're through to uh, myself and Jonathan Vernon Smith. Oh, that JCB broke. I like him. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's good. Him. He's excellent. He's, well, he's going to tell us what he's talking about in a minute. So, <gasps> so what have you got? Do you want to do you want to go now or wait until he's gone? Well, I've got some work to do, so I'd like to go now. Please. Okay then, Albert. Away you go. <laughs> Well, I was just going to say I'm absolutely furious. I've missed most of your show this morning, but but that's all right. I'm I'm just furious that I've heard about right expats. Yes, focus. Right, I've got a friend called Pam St. Clements. You probably know her off EastEnders, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, Pat. Pat. Yeah, yeah. Why, why, should, why shouldn't she be allowed to vote? Why shouldn't she get ex-fuel allowance? After what she's done for this country yeah. with her hair. You've, you know, Albert, you've misunderstood it. <laughs> we don't mean people who used to play Pats on television. We mean expatriates, people who've, who've moved abroad. So, so Pam St. Clement can still vote. She can. She can vote. Oh, she'll be thrilled to know that. You let her know that, Albert. Oh, thank goodness for that. Uh, th- thank you, Albert. Thank you. I'm glad to have cleared that up. Ex- ex- expatriates, <laughs> we mean, not, not expats. <laughs> Catherine, how on earth did he fall through the... Uh, I thought he made a good point. Oh, flipping it. Oh, my tinnitus has just kicked in in my oh. left ear. Not fun. Oh, has it? I'm having a terrible time with my tinnitus at the moment. Oh. I'm having to sleep with the radio on, because um, it's to drown out the noise of the... Try and recreate it for us who can't hear it. OK, well, it's different in both ears. The left ear is... <laughs> that's funny, is it? <laughs> I'm disabled, and you think that's funny. Would you laugh at a man in a wheelchair? I hope not. <laughs> What, what, what about what about in the right? The ear? right ear, it kind of it, it kind of fluctuates. Oh, so it's more of a. It's like imagine dropping lots like a, an infinite number of tiny pins on a metal floor. You've got all that going on now. No wonder you got that slightly deranged look on your face. <laughs> I, this is a serious affliction. Yeah, no, I know. I've had a bit of tinnitus in the past. Oh, is it cleared up? Well, mine's permanent, and it's worse <laughs> than yours. <laughs> At my, my mum's care home, uh, where she lives, there's very, people with various disabilities, and they quite often do, not intentionally, they do, they do play. Oh, yeah, my disability's worse than yours. They, they, you know, people will be, will be coming in with one leg and they're, they're unable to wheel the chest, so they haven't let you... Yeah, I know, I know Albert's got that, but uh, actually, I think you'll find that my condition is much, much worse. There is, there is kind of a one-upmanship in these things. Well, I can't possibly one-up you on your tinnitus. Good, thank you. Because it sounds terrible. Well, yeah, it does. It literally sounds terrible in my yes. head. It's driving me insane. Anyway, you've got quite uh, an interesting show coming up this morning. Well, I hope so. Yeah, from nine on the big phone, I'm asking, do you believe dyslexia is a real condition? No. Have you heard this story today? Experts are calling for the word dyslexia to be abandoned because the condition might not actually exist. Oh. 
Uh, the term has been described as unscientific and lacking in meaning, and now scientists fear millions of children may have been wrongly diagnosed when they may just need to work harder at reading. In his book The Dyslexia Debate, Professor Julian Elliott argues more time and effort should be put into helping children uh, read than finding them labels for difficulties that they may face. Uh, the NHS estimates that as many as 8% of school children in England may have some form of dyslexia. But in light of today's news, I want to hear from you. Do you believe that dyslexia is a real condition? 08459 455 555. Do you know anyone who's dyslexic? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I probably do, and I'm unaware that they're dyslexic. I do. We mentioned this earlier, and we saw it. Kath and I saw it on the papers. I do think terms like dyslexia and ADHD and, and, and uh, ADHD and uh, the, you know the spectrums that they use. I do think that they they are perhaps bandied around a little bit freer than they should be. That if sometimes, not all the time, sometimes you'll get kids that are just naughty and don't like reading, or you get kids that are badly behaved and they don't like school. And it, some people feel they have to label them. They can't just label them as naughty kids. They have to say, oh, he's, he's on the spectrum. He's got ADHD. Aren't some people just not very good at reading and writing? Yeah. There are some people that are thick. But is it... Yeah, because, you see, I... For, for numbers, for me personally, yeah. numbers are just... It's like another language. Yeah. I don't get it. People can show me how to work something out, and I look at it, and I think, that just means nothing to me. Yeah. I've not got that right kind of brain. You know, some people have got a mathematical brain, haven't they? Others have got a scientific brain. What so, brain have you got? Well, I'm not quite sure. OK, still working on but, that. But I know that my talents are definitely not numbers. Yeah. I could never be an accountant, for example. Yeah. But I don't know. Do I need some kind of label for why I'm useless at numbers and anything mathematical? Is it not possible... I'm just going to put this out there as a question. On my show, thanks. Is it not possible that some people who are dyslexic are just not very good at reading and writing? It's just not their thing. I don't know, is that... That sounds quite sensible to me. I don't know. I'll tell you what, I'd, I'd love you... From nine this morning, if you are dyslexic, or if you have a son or a daughter who's dyslexic, just pick up the phone and come on and explain why you think they're dyslexic. Do you think that dyslexia is a real condition? And do you think it helps when someone is officially diagnosed? Mm. 08459 455 555, your call's from nine. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Steve is on the move. Hey, Steve. Ian, good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Steve. What you got for me? I'm disappointed. Just talking about expats and voting and everything. Yes. And I don't know if anyone's had a discussion, but... Um, regarding Scotland and having their independence, yes. wouldn't it be a much better idea if we had the choice and we could just kick them out? So we could vote not to have them I've, them expats. I've heard this point raised before, and there is something in this, that Scotland are having the say on whether they are part of the United Kingdom, but England aren't having any say. And it, it, I do right, kind of it? think that maybe there should be two votes going on. Or, if Scotland vote to stay, which they will, then England should have the vote as to whether we want to keep them or not. Totally agree. We can start with Andy Murray to start with. Let's kick him out to start with. We don't want him. <laughs> no, we want, we want Andy Murray. because no, we, we, we that means we, do not. No, Steve, that means we've won Wimbledon. If, if to Scotland I, no, no, go I'd rather, independent... I'd rather lose every time and have a Scot win it and then us claim him. 
Steve, thank you very much indeed. It, there is something in that. I've heard this point before. And there's something in it. Scotland, uh, they're like the ones... We're kind of in love with Scotland, OK? And Scotland's thinking, ah, I'm not sure if I'm committed to this relationship. And we're going, Scotland, please, we love you. Please don't move out. Please don't, please don't leave us. And Scotland's playing... Scotland's got the whole thing under control. You think we're making ourselves too available? We are embarrassing ourselves in front of Scotland. We should be like Daddy Cool with Scotland. All know? right. And say, tell you what. Yeah. Forget it. Forget it. It's over. Forget it's I'm over. I'm dumping you. Wouldn't that be... Wouldn't that be awesome? Listen, I could never vote for David Cameron in my life unless the day before the Scottish independence uh, referendum, he went, yeah, just to say, Scotland, we're letting you go. We've decided you're off. Or you do the old playground rules. Well, I dumped you last week. Yeah. Just didn't tell you. <laughs> That's what he needs to do. David Cameron, this is how you get votes. Just say, to, just phone up Salmon. Just do a TV interview on, on uh, Daybreak or something on the day before the, the referendum saying, yeah, Scotland, we're letting you go. Uh, but there's a flaw in that. Go on. That's what Salmon wants. Well, yeah, that's what Salmon wants. That's not what Scotland wants, though. Scotland doesn't want that. And also, so he takes the power away from Salmon. He has, taken, he has regained the power. A lot of, the, of relationships I've learnt through the years, it's about power. And Cameron needs to take the power. We, we, what we should do, we should start courting Finland. Or we should start courting, I don't know... Whoa, whoa. we need to be alone for ourselves for a while, don't no, we? Work we, out who we are. Dive straight into another relationship with another country. It's the best way to do these things. Then we're things. taking our problems to the next person. It's not their fault, is it? Why don't we go to the rest of Ireland? We've got the northern bit. Can we have the southern bit as well? Uh, I don't think that worked out in the past. How do we get our um, you know, national version of the CD collection out before we dump them? Uh, that's a tough question. Yeah, we need to work that out, don't we, we before do. we start doing any of this? Oh, wait. four five nine four double five five double five. I do not agree on the text, says uh, Ruth and Biggleswade. I do not agree with the proposal for expats to have a vote. They left this country and no doubt take all opportunity to moan and groan about it, so let them get on with it. I don't think that's her voice, but I, I didn't know I could do it. Voice. Also, the integrity of our voting system is known across the world, and some countries can only dream of such a system of democracy. China, Iraq. I put those as examples in. We need to protect this integrity and encourage more people to vote here. Uh, Jim says, Ian, can you stop the buzzing on your station? It interfered with my listening to 3CR Sport last night, and now it's spoiling your excellent show. OK, um, so I didn't realise I had the buzzing button on. Hang on. There we go. That should stop it. Thank you for flagging up. Phil says, pensioners living abroad not needing winter fuel allowance is the same as those living in this country and are wealthy enough not to need it. It's supposed to support those who need help keeping warm not to buy Christmas presents with. Phil, I could not agree with you more. Ah, and Brigitte has texted in. Ian, to clarify, has requested my name is Brigitte, said Bridget, and spelt the French way. So Brigitte is actually a Bridget. That's what you get for having Irish parents. Thank you, Bridget. I'm glad we managed to sort that out. It was, it was confusing me and concerning me. Um, and Ian says very quickly, there's no cut-off point for pensions abroad. My brother left to go to Australia in the 70s, and he now gets a pension. How is... Why... I cannot get my head around that. Why on earth is that right? He moved to Australia in the 70s. He gets a British pension. Even if it's tiny... That's ridiculous, isn't it? Leslie Watford says, "I'll have a white coffee, half spoon sugar, thank you." What happened to the What happened to the cough? It's delicious. Oh, did you not get one? My cup's here. You had one. No, I didn't. You must have breathed it in without realizing. Oh, that's my cough. Oh, I think it's your go anyway. 
Yeah, have a go on that. No thanks. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Bedford, the A421 is blocked heading southbound between the centre town and the M1 Junction 13. Uh, thanks to Wallace for phoning in with that. Checking the speed sensors, it's causing queues on the A428. And in Clop Hill, the A507 is queuing as you approach the Clop Hill roundabout. The A5 also very slow in both directions through Dunstable. We had a call in from Sue in St Albans. There are queues on Folly Lane heading towards the station. There's queues going between Verulam um, Road sorry, and St Peter's Street, causing congestion on the Harpenden Road too. The M25 anti-clockwise slow going between Junction 21 for the M1 and 16 for the M40. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. 8.46, Wednesday the 26th of February. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. An international campaign has been launched to encourage British citizens living overseas to vote. It's hoped an extra 25,000 expats will vote in the European elections in May. A builder who conned a vulnerable Hertfordshire widow out of half a million pounds is still on the run this morning. John Jenkins from Aylesbury was found guilty in his absence of fraud and is sentenced to six years in prison. In sport, Luton are 14 points clear at the top of the conference after a 5-0 win over Wrexham. Talking to Guy in Aylesbury and also speaking to Justin Dealey before nine o'clock. But before that, let's get the weather. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. A bright and sunny start, if a little chilly at the moment, but the sun is already doing its job. It's going to warm up to around 10, maybe 11 Celsius later. Maybe get one or two isolated showers drift across, but they shouldn't amount to too much. Now, overnight tonight, starting off dry and clear, but then the arrival of our next weather system moves in. Really, through the middle part of the night, the wind will start to pick up the cloud increase, and with it, some heavy rain through the early hours of tomorrow morning. It will blow through quite quickly on that breeze and be out of the way sometime tomorrow morning. Minimum temperature overnight down to 4 Celsius. Like I said, that rain moving out of the way behind it for Thursday, sunshine and showers. And that's your forecast. World War One at home on the BBC. Walking between lessons, today's students at Haleybury College pass by a memorial to the former pupils who fought and died in the First World War. Discovering local memories. The boys from Haleybury College, 589, died. World War One at home. The college now hosts a growing collection of artefacts from the conflict, including a large and very recent edition of letters. Revealing local stories. My own beloved mother, poor old beloved Marlborough. He's found his purpose in life. He has fulfilled it and is content. But for us who remain, I cannot yet bring myself to think or realise what life will be to us without him. The story of World War One at home continues today from midday here on BBC Three Counties Radio. We know there's a buzz. We know we know there's a buzz for some of you listening to the radio show. Uh, and for some of you, there ain't no buzz. Um, what was There's a buzz for Paul in Elstree. There's a buzz we don't for need, Suzanne. We don't need to name-check the buzzers. Well, I think that if they've taken the time to tell us about the buzz, we need to name-check the buzzers. Uh, well, OK. Thank you. We know there is a buzz. There's not a lot more I can do. Jim from Lee Graves here in the buzz too. OK, I'm, I'm really sorry about that. I just don't know what I'm expected to do about it. I mean, I'm sure yeah. those that need to are looking uh, into it. Um... So, I, I, 
I don't know. There was some power was turned off uh, last night. I thought that was tonight. Um, uh, no, that was uh, yesterday, it says, oh. I think. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it was yesterday. Be that then. So that, w- would it be that? No. It could, I mean, I just, I, don't, I just don't know. Or... You should care. It's interfering I, with your quality. I, it's, it's, it's not. It's literally not. Guy's in Aylesbury. Guy, can you hear a buzz? I cannot. Excellent. Anything else you'd like to say this morning? Uh, yeah, basically, I, um, I actually lived abroad for 15 years myself. OK. okay. Um, I lived in Thailand, actually. Oh, very nice. Uh, with my, uh, my parents and my sister. And um, I absolutely think expats should have the right to vote, because... Why? Well, I mean, they haven't given up any nationality. We were only out there because of my father's job. Right. So why um, should that mean you should vote? Why, why should it not? Well, I, 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 the only, I mean, I couldn't vote in Thailand uh, because you had to have taken uh, Thai nationality to do so. I've not given up any kind of nationality in moving. But you, you've, given, should... you've given up being in the country. 15, you're 15 years out of the country. You, you've, you've lost touch with what's going on in the country. You've lost touch, but why shouldn't you have a say over... I mean, you've lost touch with what's going on in the country, but why shouldn't you have a say over, um, you know, which party is, is governing your, uh, your, your country at the moment? Well, it's, but it's, it's not your country at the moment whilst you're in Thailand. And because you, the reason you shouldn't have a say is because of what you've just said. You've lost touch with what's going on in your country. Well, I don't know. I mean, if you've got family still... I mean, with, with regard to the, um, the, the winter allowance, etc., then, yeah, that's fine. I, I agree with that. If you're an expat, then there's no need for that. But... I think that you should be allowed to vote. Okay. You're, I think you're wrong, guy, and I challenge you to a, a bare-knuckle fight in the car park to dispute it. I will accept. Oh, no, don't. You sound like a big fella. <laughs> guy, very quickly, before we let you go, let's end on good terms. We're playing Guess the Year uh, this morning. Uh, what do you think the year is? The year? Now? Uh, no, we're playing in, in the competition. Playing Guess ah. the Year. What's your guess? Uh, let's go 2003. Oh, Guy! No, it's not 2003. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. Hang on a second. Counties Radio. Hang on a second. Darren from Dartford has sent in a text regarding my tinnitus. Tinnitus, a, a, a situation, what do you call it? An environment? No, a creation, a condition, that's the word. A condition that is incurable. Darren's suggesting a cure. And I will have a go at it, Darren, because I'm desperate. Desperate measures. Ginkgo Bilboa. Can you get some Ginkgo Bilboa? Sounds like a, a Rocky's younger brother. Ginkgo Bilboa from a health shop. Give it a week. I suffered real bad with tinnitus. Mine vanished. Bilboa. It's, it says Bilboa here. All oh, right. Fair enough. What's this? I've, I've noticed you do this thing now. What? Just about, sorry. You do a thing where I'm talking, oh, and I can sort of see you out of the corner of my eye, and you do a wave. And that wave means, open your fader, I want to talk. When no, did... no, it's, I've had an idea. No, it's... Because you can't see the, um, the light bulb over my head, can you? When, what... Can you see it? When did that... When did that... I can see the halo slipping. When did that become a thing that okay. you were kind oh, of, you know... You gestured to me, I thought that was... We were going working in gestures. Fine. No, 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 no. I'm doing the show. Yeah, I don't do that last gesture because I couldn't fit one of those in my mouth. We, I'm doing the show, and then suddenly it's like, yeah, I want to do the show now. Well, I I'm mean, ready. Come to me. Um, That's what I'm saying to it you. It just ruins my... my I'm trying to be helpful. It's you know, not. Sometimes you sound like you're drowning, and I'm just throwing you a little... You're miming ring. the whole thing now as well. Well, you obviously, it works. It's not working. My fader's open. Yeah, not for much longer. Bob's in Welland. Morning, Bob. 
Morning, Ian. Bob, what's going on? There's a buzz in our radio station. How on earth do we get rid of it? Do we need to switch the radio station off and then on again? Well, I don't know about that, but it sounds like it's on the feed from your studio to the transmitter, because oh. I've changed frequencies and it's still there. Oh, blimey. So, uh, um, I, think, I think you need to get your engineers in. Uh, Mark's, Mark's not in until gone three o'clock today. Oh, and uh, thanks for the tip about the tinnitus, because, uh, I say, I couldn't hear it uh, to begin with until my son pointed it out. <laughs> oh, they... So uh, I'll get some ginkgo or whatever it is tonight. Ginkgo Bilboa, my friend. Deb will help you out. Bob, thank you very much for that. Justin? Morning, boss. Wait. There's a buzz on the line. Oh, my ear. Are you doing that? No, it's not. I can, I can, can you hear the buzz? I swear, my left ear is... This tinnitus is mental. There's nothing you can do. Honestly, my left ear is ringing like... Oh, um, uh, 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 sorry, Catherine? I didn't say anything. You did the pretending to cry mime. You're such a... It's a shame for you, because, I mean, at the end of the day, you do love the sound of your own voice, don't you? Yeah. What do you want? Well, I'm here to talk about lunch breaks. Come on, then, you do it. Set it okay. up. Uh, let's, we... let's, let's hear it's how it's done, shall we, okay, big guy? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, hear, okay, yeah. let's hear how a professional okay. would do it, shall we, Justin? This morning, in your paper review... Put, the, fa- to... put the fag down, <laughs> right, and put, it's it, gone. and put it in an appropriate bin. I don't want you yes. to get fine. Thank you. And let's hear you tee this bad boy up. Here okay, we go. Ladies and so, gentlemen, uh... it's just... <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome to the stage the one, the only, it's Justin Dealey. Hang on a second, hang on a second. I just felt... I can play one of these. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Chetham Parter. BBC <laughs> Three Counties Radio. That's the only oh. one. That's, <laughs> hang on a minute, hang on, we go. Oh, yeah. The greatest songs bring back the greatest memories. BBC Three Counties Radio. Here's your host, Justin Dealey. Justin, <laughs> over to you. Thank you, Ian. Um, this morning in your paper review, you were talking about uh, the lunch break. Uh, the average lunch break in the UK is now 34 minutes. You sent me out with a task to, to try and find somebody who still gets the full one-hour lunch break. Now, the people I've been talking to this morning, the majority of them, they get 10, 15 minutes if they're lucky. However, uh, in the last 30 minutes, I have found two people who get the full one-hour lunch break. Here's what happened. Morning, sir. We're talking about lunch breaks on The Breakfast Show today. Do you still get a lunch break where you work? I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. How long do you get? An hour. Wow, I found somebody who gets an hour every single day. What do you do for a living? I work for a charity, a children's charity. So I make sure my team take their hour break as well. Get that whole work-life balance thing going on. Just how important do you think that one hour is? Definitely. Time to recharge, reflect, and just take a break from work. Because the majority of people I've spoken to this morning, they're lucky to get ten minutes with a sandwich at their desk. What's your thoughts on that? Well, they need to have a look at that. I mean, I, don't, I'm not, I don't personally don't think it's healthy standing at your desk or sitting at your desk for a whole day. You need to break away. And you often see people, don't you, particularly during the winter, who are, are very ill. Do you think that's made worse by people not taking their full one-hour lunch break? I think so. I, I, it, it can't help just being at your desk all day in that environment. Sometimes it's nice to a change. They say, sometimes say a change is as good as the rest, and I believe that. Now, Christina, you're off to London this morning. Where you work, the term lunch break, does that even exist? Uh, it does, uh, or rather I make sure that I take the full hour that I'm allocated to because I feel like I deserve it, I'm entitled to it and it's a long week and it's a long day. What about your colleagues, are they also taking the one hour break? Uh, some of them do, some of them don't, uh, I'd say it depends on the day for them, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean I, I, I take mine. <laughs> I mean you deserve that break, yeah. but if you've got colleagues who, who don't take it, mm-hmm. does that almost reflect badly on you, even though you're doing nothing wrong of course? Mm-hmm. 
I don't think it does. I think at the end of the day, the reflection is in the work that I do and what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, I think in London as well, there's a little bit of a culture of seen to be doing something or seen to not be doing something. And for me, as long as I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and above, I think that I'm, you know, I deserve to do what I do and, mm. and have what I have. Yeah, good for you, girl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just lastly, if you weren't taking a lunch break, if you were literally having ten minutes at your desk with a sandwich, do you think that that you go down with with more colds, flu? Would you become more ill? Do you think? I think after time, depending on the intensity of your job, I know with mine definitely. I think I probably would. Uh, at the end of the day, it would be detrimental. Uh, I would need a break. I don't want to crash at the end of it. I don't mm. want to have to use my holiday because I'm not feeling well. I want to use mm. my holiday because I want to use my holiday. <laughs> Thanks for your time. Enjoy your day. Thank you. Just you fancy prisoners after the show? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I've really got. I've really got hunger on. Now, very quickly, mm. Luton Town, the football club. Yeah. They are they are kicking up a storm at the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. The last time they lost was Friday the 13th of September. Ooh. 24 matches unbeaten, 17 goals in the last three games, 79 goals this season, 14 points clear at the top. They're going to blow it, aren't they? No, they're not. They are going to no, blow it. They they... Are not, I, I will say that on record right now. They are not going to blow it because the manager is that good. The team, they are that good. Luton Town this season, at last, they're Can I just say, you, you, both you and Simon Oxley have given it the kiss of death. <laughs> you said you're going to go to the football match this Saturday having not been for ages yep. uh, and Simon has said there is I'll, I'll change his language slightly yeah. there is no way they can blow this chance you two have both given mm. them the kiss of death because we're that confident with the manager and the yeah. team I just think you know with, with what's in place at Kenilworth Road he just can't go wrong can I speak to you tomorrow when they've lost at the weekend yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, on the Monday sorry when they've lost at the weekend yes yes would yes. that be alright yes fine thank you Justin Ta-ta. oh Justin before you go yeah. we're playing guess the year what is the year uh, I think it was Shaka Khan that gave it away 1984 oh mate you're uh, you're wrong I'm afraid yeah. it, it rolls over to next week okay thank you Justin oh Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Bedford, we've got reports the A421 is blocked southbound uh, between Bedford and the M1 Junction 13. Queues on the approach there. Going on to the speed sensors, the A5 still really struggling in both directions through Dunstable. In Mill Hill, the A41 has one lane blocked at the apex corner just on the roundabout because a lorry overturned. Queues on the approach there. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, you always do excellently, even when I don't give you much time, so thank you for that. That's it, that's your lot. JVS is up next until tomorrow at six from me. Ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning, welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Wednesday, it's nine o'clock.